This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Guys, welcome to the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. Oh man, we're back from Africa. Incredible trip. I'm by myself doing this intro for this podcast in the studio, and it's like the hole you have to dig yourself out of when you get back to the grind, which I'm very appreciative of it, but... Um, man, when you cut off everything for that long, it just, I don't know. We weren't in there. We weren't in Africa that long. It just seems like we were there for a couple months, but it was so much fun. Um, and then when you leave, you're like, man, I don't want this trip to be over. We have a ton to talk about from that trip. We have two camp podcasts from that trip. Um, of course, not the best audio quality because of how we did it and the circumstances and the travel and all that crap. So, uh, I'm going to launch one on its own and I'm going to launch one is going to go on the tail end of one that we're going to record in studio. But what I'm, what I plan on doing, we, we might end up like retelling some of these stories in more detail because we're there at the hunting camp. We weren't trying to do like a five hour long podcast all in one while we were there. So, uh, stories will be coming out over the next coming episodes about Africa, some things that we're working on to get you guys to Africa. Uh, and it's more possible than you think. We're going to explain how we're going to break all that down. Um, we plan on getting Stuart Pringle in. He's one of the guys that coordinated this whole trip along with Sam Gaylord from Old Barn Taxidermy. We're going to get them in studio and do a podcast. We're talking about doing workshops to uh, make you feel comfortable with something like this. It's a long way away, but we're going to break it all down. We're going to Basically, if this has always been on your radar or wasn't until we went and you saw our social posts, we're going to try to make it possible for you to go if you're interested. If that's not your cup of tea, hey, we get it. It's not for everybody. But I, my perspective, and I think our entire working class bowhunter crew perspective, every person who's hardcore into bowhunting and passionate about it needs to experience it one time. It's fucking amazing. So that will all roll out here in the coming weeks. Uh, we got busy schedules. I got an elk hunt, uh, elk hunt coming up. Uh, deer season's coming up. Get your food plots in. Shoot your bow. So, uh, you know, you know how it is. It's the grind. It's the countdown. We're in, we're in the middle of it now. Um, all wine to cram content. Great problems to have. Uh, thank you for being here. Uh, we appreciate your support. We appreciate the influx of support on our Patreon. Uh, we're going to try and do. Um, 
more exclusive Patreon episodes here rolling into the future, especially from the feedback from the last exclusive Patreon episode. Uh, thank you guys for that and having fun with us there. We can kind of do more on Patreon. It's a little uh, more relaxed. We don't have to worry about as much stuff because it's there behind that uh, support wall and uh, we can cut up with you guys. So we have a great time doing that. It's fun for us to kind of just uh, not worry about everything being so structured. Uh, that being said, the podcast is presented by Elite Archery. Uh, killed our first animals with the new Envision um, in Africa. Uh, performed amazing. Um, absolutely. It's like you, you get the first animal with a bow, and it's like all of a sudden you, you set the pockets. Everything feels good, you know, and uh, you're feeling confident. So great way to start off the fall, um, I guess. Not really fall. Technically winter over there. But uh, the Elites killed it. Um, Big time. Uh, if you want to get some main event, it's I think it's sold out for the year. I'm sure they'll get more in. Um, hopefully you're getting your plots in. Uh, but you can use code at uh, WCB at Elite, um, WCB2022 at Big Time. Big Time. We also rocked Huntworth, of course, the entire time in Africa. Killed it. We have a code WCB15. But if you're listening to this from, it'd be Thursday morning of the launch of this episode, this Sunday which let me get you some dates so you guys aren't confused if you're listening a week late. The 21st, so if you're listening to this on the 18th on the launch, the 21st, Huntworth has a 30% off sale on their website, Huntworth. Uh, go there, click the episode in the description. We did a social media post. Uh, go there, save yourself 30% preseason sale. So if you need a new jacket or whatever, or maybe you don't want to buy a full suit, you're just like, I want to try that hoodie. Kurt always talks about 30% off. You can jump into that uh, distortion or tarnin. Um, disruption, we say distortion. Um, you can try it out and save yourself some money. So go there, and hopefully you like it. If you if you end up making a purchase, but it's thirty percent off preseason sale, pretty good deal. Uh, Scent Crusher actually brought the Halo series to Africa. Used that a lot. Uh, we use roller bags as our rolling luggage to fly to Africa. They're huge. You can fit everything in it. So you know, not only is it eliminating human odor. It's working for you on travel hunts, for luggage, for organization, everything. That's uh, definitely multi-layered there at Scent Crusher. Um, Old Barn Taxidermy. Yeah, Old Barn Taxidermy is the shit. They're part of the reason why we even went to Africa. They set it up. They made us realize a lot of things like how possible it really is. Because um, if you want to know the truth, Old Barn set this up with Stuart Pringle. Pringle was like, oh, yeah, here's the price. Um, can you can you, you could help sell some bow hunts? I'm like, yeah, we could do that. And then all of us saw the price of the bow hunts, and we're like, oh, we're going for that. So uh, so we all went together. That's why our whole crew went. If it wasn't for the price being so good, we all wouldn't have gone. Um, so just think about that a little bit before we get into detail. But anyway, um, Old Barn's killing it. Sam Gaylord, everybody there at the tannery, the G2 forms are cranking out um, the shit. It's one of the best companies in the outdoor industry, the best ethics. Um, they care about their customers. They care about your custom taxidermy work. They, they care. And that's really refreshing when you go there. You don't feel like you're annoying them when you go in, when you want to get a certain turn on a deer head. That's what they do. That's what they're there for. Um, they're not worried about an extra hole and not giving you the eye roll and they got a stitch. They're taxidermists. Uh, Sam always says, if you don't like sewing, you shouldn't be a taxidermist. So um, check out Old Barn Taxidermy. Love and support them forever. They're the best. Um, of course, Loophole Optics, that's this whole episode. So hopefully you enjoy this. Uh, Camel Fire, 
just for shits and grins, let's go to camofire.com right now and see what kind of deals they got. Uh, they have 31% off bow sights. They have broadheads on here right now, 25% off. Fixed blades, expandables, drop-away rests, fletchings, bow cases, sight lights, all that right now. 60% off, 20% off uh, 3D targets. There's an e-bike on here. Uh, everything. Camofire.com. Deals are always changing. There's stabilizers in here. All sorts of awesome stuff. Um, deals change all the time. It's dangerous. Delete your browser history or download the app. Um, and then just make sure your wife doesn't know where the app is. You know, folder it down so she can't find it. But check that out. And Novix Tree Stands. We love Novix. They're right here in Peoria, Illinois. Less than an hour from us. Uh, an hour from the studio, that is. Uh, the Hilo um, is the shit light mobile. They have a stick set up for anyone. You can make your own deal, your own, whatever you do. If you do a full stick, you like double stacks, you like three full sticks, one small stick. Um, you can figure it out. It's all American made. They care about, uh, ethics, customer support, and being a good brand. That's going to stand the test of time. So check out Novix tree stands code WCB 22. That might already be done. It was only good for 200 uses. So if you didn't get a use on your code and you tried and it doesn't work, that means the code is over. Um, they were only doing that limited time. They only ran one sale this year. So there I get it, you know, so they're uh, trying to run American made business here and it's harder and harder every year. So take advantage when you see those discount codes and those sales. So, um, anyway, that's good for the pre-intro on here. Hope you guys enjoyed this loophole podcast. Michael came in from Oregon to the studio to record it. Awesome, awesome guy. Uh, love Michael. He's the best. And uh, we love loophole too. So hope you enjoy this one. We cover a lot. It's a long episode. And again, we appreciate your support. I'm Chase Rolson with Rubline Marketing. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey, everybody. It's John Dudley from Knock On TV. Hey, guys. This is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi, I'm Taylor Drury from Drury Outdoors. Hey, this is Nick Hunt from Bone Collector. Hey, this is Melissa Buckman. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter Podcast. Working Class Bow Hunter Podcast. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter. You're listening to the Working Class Bow Hunter. That's right. This is the podcast for Billy Joe Lunchbucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Travis T. Bone Turner from the Bone Collector. Thank you for tuning in. Nobody pushes the envelope like Working Class Bow Hunter. It's really, really not that good. Welcome to the podcast. This is Kurt Geyer speaking. My co-host in studio, Eric Hammon. My other co-host in studio, Austin Chandler. What's up, fellas? What's going on? What's up, buddy? And special guest, all the way from Oregon. <laughs> See, I'm, is that I'm, how you say it out there? No, I think that's, no. that's native for Oregon, right? That's how you guys pronounce they, it. They always say Oregon, G U N. So you see a lot of people Oregon. put that on their on their trucks. Oregon, Oregon. Yeah, I like that. Uh, Portland, the the state of Portland. Oh, yeah, that's another one. We're, hey, we're the state of Chicago here. There you go. Yeah, hey, not me. Don't, don't involve me in on this. Not. I'm just Iowa. Hey, we're, I'm kidding. A kid. We all know I'm kidding. Thanks for being here, Michael. Michael from Leupold. Yeah. Dare I mess up your last name yeah, again? Yeah, I thought you were going to try. 
but Winicky? No. Wanicky. 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 I was close. I was close. Yeah, it's pretty close. I like Winicky because you're a winner. Yeah. Okay. You know. Thank you. <laughs> well, hell, I've been saying it wrong for all these years. Good response. Dude, my buddy Jeremy from Buckstorm, been friends with them for years, been on many hunts with them. I just call him Jeremy from Buckstorm because I can never get his last name right. Oh. Well, I'm I'm part of that crowd. Yeah. I love you guys. I don't want to offend you. Oh, it doesn't offend me. Trust me. I've been around for a long time, and so everybody gets it wrong. Dude, so. my last name, bad. Even in phones, like Michael is Michael Leupold. Oh, there you go. Well, hey. <laughs> it's kind of cool. Because I got so many Michaels. Like, You know what my phone calls me? Curtis Gayer. Oh, it That's does. About right. That's about right. Gayer. Gay. It's like, hey, all right, there I am. All right. With that mustache, questionable. Dude, don't come at me right now. I'm feeling super biker gangish. <laughs> He's looking a little different today. Mm, yeah. Is this yeah. this is the first podcast since the big this piece. Is, you can we can talk about it. He Let's has get the cat a, out of the back. Fabulous, fantastic, blazing, bright. He's curling the mustache. The mustache isn't what I'm talking about. Oh, I thought that's where you're going. The first. throat piece, but the mustache is lovely as well. Get the cat out of the bag. I got my throat tattooed. It was you did. very um uncomfortable. But I feel good, right? Like it looks badass. I'm a goon. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it's something I've wanted done for a long time. Um, people might think I'm crazy for it, but I'm not a normal person. <laughs> um, and I, you know, it's different strokes for different folks. So this is the strokes for me. Um, I feel comfortable in my own skin. The more tat- the more blank skin I see on myself, I feel like self-conscious about it, as weird as that is. Gotta I fill think, that in. I think that's like a mental disability somewhere, like on the scale, probably. But um, my face will probably... Re- Leave, I'll leave that untouched for a while. Until Gotta I, leave the face alone for a little bit. If I get my face tatted, just know mm. things are going south for me. <laughs> Teardrops at the corner of your eye or something yeah. like that. Yeah, I might get like good. a loophole logo right here on the, on the orbital bone right okay. below my, my right eye. Just to show my dedication for my fam, you know? Just What's don't put up? it right here. <laughs> no, I'm not going Charles Manson. Yeah, so. exactly. yeah. You get that tattoo and they drop us the next year. Yeah, I'm like, well, all right. Yeah. You're working on your like three musketeers mustache too, I think. So, so this was... Um, I was thinking more Freddie Mercury. Wow, come on. Hey. Come on. Mm. I was just saying. My, I know my last series says my last name, Gayer. That's where I was going with this. <laughs> she, Freddie Mercury was a badass, though. He was. He was. But uh, a yeah. set of pipes on him. Um, you know, I went with the mustache, not to, like, approach on Doug's thing, but I wanted to go with, like, the scruff and the biker. I went, my Doug has a middle-aged career mustache. I have a felony biker gang type mustache. <laughs> I would attest to that. It, it's yeah. a different category of like respect of mustache. Like people respect Doug for his salary. They respect me so I don't bust out the windows on the truck. <laughs> <That's right>. Respect. <laughs> yes. Respect either way. Don't throw a brick through a gas station window. Um, I look like that guy. Yeah. And I, I will, um, you know, I just, you can't help it. Yeah. <laughs> just who you are. So now that that's out of the bag, um, it's, yeah, it's a new look, right? It's it's different. It's kind of bold. Michael seemed, was the first person I got to see in person after getting no, it. It looks good, you know. I mean, I don't obviously see you as much in person as these guys do, but yeah, you know. So for me, I may not have realized that you just got that if you wouldn't have said that you just got it, you know. But yeah, like I told yeah. you, it's like a it's like a prelude to your upcoming elk hunt. So let's hope so. so. Yeah, let's, let's hope it does. Either way, it's cool. I, I get a lot of animal tattoos. It's my thing. So uh, why not a big elk or stag yeah. American traditional tattoo on the throat? Yeah. My mom doesn't know about it yet. 
at the time of recording. But uh, my Ooh. son's first birthday party is in three days. And that's kind of how I like to surprise my mom. <laughs> Just, hey, it is what it is. Hey, mom. And we'll see how much she cries. But you know what? Think she'll notice? <laughs> You know, Sam said, she's like, you kind of just look, it kind of just fits you. It does. It doesn't look out of place. Yeah, she's like, it just kind of fits your vibe. Like, when I got my left hand tattooed, it was blank. When I got it, I'm like, I, it just kind of feels like, feels like it should have been there. All right. Yeah. Enough about me. Mm. Had to get the cat out of the bag on that one. But. <laughs> yeah. Looks good, though. <laughs> What's up, Michael? Thanks for coming all the way out to wow. the studio, man. Glad I could ke- finally come here. I know I came here a year ago for the shoot, and you were yeah. just getting everything close to being done yeah. and stuff, and so... The studio wasn't quite done then, but obviously yeah. seen seen a lot of recording since then. So I know we said we got to get back here sometime, and for sure know, we just kind of tried to find a time that made it work. And boy, it's this this summer I can't believe it's already halfway through. It's stressful. Yeah, the last time you were here, the actual studio we we're recording wasn't done yet, right? No, this wasn't done. I mean, you didn't have the table in here. You didn't have a whole setup. You were just finishing, I think, doing the walls, and yeah. and mm-hmm. you hadn't maybe painted that or whatever. So yeah. Yeah, uh, it looks awesome. You know, a lot more, a lot more mounts out there, yeah. which is, which is great. It's always fun to look at and stuff because, yeah. you know, that many whitetails in one spot. You know, I'm not used to seeing that, so that's kind yeah. of fun to look right. at. So I started taking videos and everything and sending them back to some people, you know, just so yeah. people could see what big whitetails look like. They're jealous, <laughs> aren't they? I think so. <laughs> Envious, maybe that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, right? it's a different vibe, you know. Yeah. From out west here, like I always love that conversation, which I want to get into. We have a lot to talk about there, but we do appreciate you taking the time to come out here, come out here for the shoot. And we appreciate the partnership with Leupold. You guys have been amazing. And uh, we're just, we're proud to have this relationship. So I'm glad you made it out. It's cool to hang out with you. We kind of airbnb this to you, which is kind of yeah, cool. Like I was great. like doing that for buddies. <laughs> yeah. It's like, where do we, I'm coming up for the podcast. Where do I stay? The studio, yeah. man. Come hey, on. We got a spot for you. Yeah. Spot. Get cozy. You could fall asleep in that place and wake up three days later and not really know. You wouldn't so. know. It was still dark in there. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. I know when you said you bought this building, you were like, yeah, we're going to have a place where people can stay when they come in and everything. And yeah, that's exactly yeah. what's the, what it is. So that's Perfect. great. Yeah, it's like we got the TV out there now and the sound system. It's like get cozy and you know you never want anyone to be uncomfortable. No, it's like just make yourself at home and everything that's here is yours. Like have fun. Well, we got yeah. enough booze for one guy for what twelve years. Well, if you get yeah. bored, just drink yourself to sleep. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. again. Yeah. Yeah. Plenty of options out there. Yeah, lots yeah. of options. I had to make sure and help stock your refrigerator and everything. But it's like a it. summertime hunt camp, you know, which yeah. you can't, you can't, it can't start soon enough, right? So I'm looking forward. It's to, a good replacement of yeah. like the withdrawals you have. Well, oh. and you know, we get to have that every week. We're very fortunate. But um, you brought us some High West whiskey. Mm-hmm. Um, we're sitting on sipping on some High West old fashions. Uh, Delicious, Chandler yep. mixing them up good. And then you turned us on to a new thing. Just get and go get warming up this podcast can't it's believe not, it's new it's not a new thing but it's like why didn't we think of it yeah clamato like juice i didn't realize you could buy i always seen like bud light clamato mick uh or not mick club but modello you yeah. know whatever the hell micheladas yeah, yeah yeah those and then you're like yeah dude and you just buy the juice next to the v8 at the grocery store and you take two swigs or a swig out of bush light and dump a little bit of chel- um yeah chelata. didn't know it was a thing clamato yeah. in there and uh Tomato cocktail from Concentrate. It's amazing. There's even a mixture on the side. Like, oh, there oh, is? There's a recipe. Oh, no kidding. Authentic mi- Michelada. Yeah. Rim a tall glass with lime and seasoning. That's fancy. Add ice. Add one dash of Horseshire shosh. <laughs> no one can ever say that, Real right? lime juice or one key lime and two dashes of habanero pepper sauce. Had 12 
fluid ounces of your favorite beer. Enjoy responsibly. Wow. That's fancy. I think you throw some of that in with a little bit of that Old Barn seasoning. You got you a little zest. Yeah, you're mm. right. Old Barn. Oh, Clamato. crack one of those peppers open in there. Ooh. Dump it in there. That'll wake you up mm. in the morning. Yep. So yeah. thanks for that introduction to that. Oh, yeah. That's, Somebody introduced that to me years and years and years ago, uh, camping. Really? And so it's always like summertime camping, kind of just, you know, whatever. It's great. Soda. It's a great yeah. way to like mix up, yeah. like you said, like an all day beer. It's like, yeah. you know, it's you're definitely a morning beer. Well, you, you feel like it's guys, it's the excuse of the Bloody Mary in the morning. Yeah, I'm having oh, a Bloody yeah. Mary. It's early. Everyone's yeah. like, yeah, cool. Bloody Mary's. Yeah. That's a way to like justify a beer. I think it's a little bit more mellow than a Bloody Mary, so it's it just kind of works. You know? Not as powerful on your mouth. You yeah. can like yeah. drink a couple of them and then ease into yeah. Yeah, normal beers afternoon. Yeah. Doug might even be able to drink that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Doug thinks ketchup is spicy, but um, <laughs> man, we're, there's a lot to talk about here. We're warming up, but yeah, I'm glad you made it out all the way from Oregon, but you're originally a Wisconsin guy. We've talked about right? that. So do you consider yourself a Midwesterner? Well, yeah, I think, you know, you don't want to give up your roots, right? Yeah. So, and I still have a lot of family that lives in Wisconsin, so we try to go back as often as we can and never, never often enough, but yeah. But, um, you know, since moving out to Oregon, we've had so many people from Wisconsin come out there to visit us that you mm-hmm. know, it's kind of like we go back and forth now. But, but yeah, I, I'd say definitely. I'm not, you know, I mean, I'm not an Oregonian. I'm a Wisconsinite. I'm a Midwesterner for for sure. Yeah. And uh, that's just kind of where it's kind of my roots and how I got involved in this whole, you know, hunting kind of thing and, mm-hmm. you know, just, you know, the lifestyle of it and everything like that. So I'll never, I'll never kind of shy away from that. Yeah, yeah, just curious, because I feel like even though I didn't grow up in this spot in Illinois, I was born in a different spot in Illinois, I never really feel like I'm from here, mm. even though I am, I am from here, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm just, I'm just curious how that works, but... Yeah, I mean, I've been in Oregon since, gosh, 95, so I guess technically if you start adding up the the, You're year, from there. the years, I've kind of been there longer, but... You know, yeah. I live out in a part of Oregon that I that reminds me of Wisconsin, where I grew up in Wisconsin. So you know, that's kind of yeah. You know, just I'm minus sti- the cheese curds. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it's it, that's that's my reminder every day when I get up and look around. You know, this just looks like where I grew up. You know, yeah, like home. yeah. So. We'll have Bucky mail you out some cheese curds. Oh yeah, well, Bucky's our. Guy. I have a pretty good pipeline, you know, between you know family members and stuff like that. So you know, yeah. I'm not. There's like never a shortage like of running that. drugs of cheese. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah. Old fashions and cheese curds, man. That's what Wisconsin's all about. Dude, the El right. Chapo of cheese curds, man. You got to have that guy in your back pocket. Bucky's our guy. He runs now, us down our cheese curds. If you could run a, a pipeline of morales every spring. You guys then, don't have them out there at all? We, we do. They're up in the mountains, and they come a little bit later. You Usually, like, in probably June, you know, the month of June, kind of they kind of follow the snow melt as it, as it comes down in lower elevation, but... I it's kind of farther away and everything like that from where I am, and so it's not mm-hmm. as convenient as just kind of running out in the woods. And dude, you know, I'm going to disappoint a lot of people. I used to be like really hardcore and looking for them. My dad was really hardcore about it, but I don't. It's there's a lot of like mushroom poaching that goes on, mm-hmm. and it's almost like if you're on it, you, you miss them. I'm kind of like you. Like I go out and I will look for them for like a half an hour, and I'm like, yeah, I'm over it. I'm impatient now. I got I got spoiled. I had a really great mushroom spot and I lost it. And ever since, I'm just like, yeah. I'm not the world's best mushroom hunter, but 
if I had to request my last meal, mushrooms would be in it. Yeah. Agreed. Those Agreed. things. Morales. Oh, my uh, God. I you sat down and eat two pounds of you, them. You're really good at finding them, though, because, like, turkey hunting this year, when that one day when I shot that Jake because I couldn't take it, we're like, <laughs> we found a handful of mushrooms, not even looking for them. Yeah, I'm not that good of a mushroom hunter, but... I think you're better than you give yourself credit. You find them before I do. Yeah, you know? I, I just, I love eating them, and I find enough to eat, and that's about it. I think you guys get kind of, you know, maybe not Eric, but you guys get kind of tore up like, should I shoot turkeys or should I pick mushrooms, right? <laughs> right. You know, and, oh, I'm it, picking mushrooms yeah. all day long. <laughs> I wouldn't like to pick mushrooms yeah. yeah, I'm with Eric. I'd be picking mushrooms all day long, and I'd say the hell with the turkeys, you know. Right. But, yeah. but we run into a similar dilemma. You know, we're out there, and during September, it's, it's archery elk, right, in Oregon. And so we're like, do I pick these chanterelle mushrooms or do I keep it? Chanterelles. You know, yeah. Do I keep, you know, they're not as good as morales by far. Yeah, but I say, which one's better? No, morales by far. Yeah. But, um, but I get in that dilemma sometimes. I'm like, oh, there's a whole bunch of chanterelles right here. But those I just, are the yellow ones, right? They're kind of orange. So you know? I have a crazy amount of them that grow in my backyard, hmm. like an insane amount. I don't know what it is, but I bet you I picked, I just got on a whim, got maybe drinking two, two too many beers, went in my backyard. I picked, pounds pounds of them and i cooked them up and i just wasn't that impressed like i tried to saute them with some butter and yeah. like pepper and stuff and i'm like ah oh, man i picked all these and now i feel like they're gonna go to waste i picked so many of them but they don't have as much flavor certainly as a morale that's for and so you have to kind yeah. of doctor them up with stuff to try to yeah make them make taste them, better yeah make them taste better i mean whatever, good good they're good yeah, yeah they're i picked still good. so many of them thinking yeah. i'm gonna eat all these if they're as good as Anywhere near morels, I'll eat all of them, yeah. and I just didn't. It's interesting because everybody's got their own way of making, like preparing a morel. I like, fry a morel every time. Well, frying's like the go-to, but the way people like bread them and prepare them to be fried, there's mm -hmm. like everybody has their own way, and everybody thinks their way is the best. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then sure. you have them, and you're like, okay, I'll, I could do that. I could do that way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's right. I've never had a bad way of cooking morels. Right. I yeah. enjoy you know what all. the best way to eat morels is? No matter how they're fried or whatever. Once they're fried, if if you have leftovers, very rare, you put them in the fridge and eat the fried morels cold. What's up, Todd? How's it going? Hop, hop on this side, buddy, on this side. I got you set up there. What's up, dude? We're, we're in it. Lord. <laughs> Kisses your hand. <laughs> Gets down on one knee. You're good. Pull that mic, and we got you on already, I think. Check, check. Oh, nope, I'm wrong. Now try. Hello. Do we? Hold on. Where are we at? We're just talking about preparing morels. That one's not on? Go ahead and talk. Check. Nope. What the hell? Oh, you know what? I know why. Give me a sec. First time. First time running this thing. Go ahead now. Hello. There, there, you go. Go. there we all go. Right, I'm in. What's up, Todd? It's all good. Hey, meet Michael from Loophold. Michael, nice hey, to meet you. Todd, how are you? Good, good. Heard good things some... about you. Yeah, a uh, little story about this beer. Yeah, let's talk about this. <laughs> Molson Canadian Light. I've had it. Where'd you have it? Canada. Yeah. Molson Icebergs is what I've had. 2019, I went to Newfoundland on my moose hunt, uh -huh. got a six-pack on the way home, uncovered it in the pantry last week, threw Ooh, it in the fridge. That can and, be uh, good. Here we go. Six <laughs> years old. Aged. Aged oh, to you perfection. haven't drank any of it yet? Uh, No, not from the six-pack. So this is how old? 2019. Three years. Okay, that's got to be terrible. <laughs> Two and a half years, because it was October. Maybe a little bit. Okay, later. give us a review. Should be video on this. <laughs> it is on video. Just as good as when I was out in the little fly-in <laughs> tent camp out in the middle of nowhere. I'll tell you what, the, the camp cook, 
absolutely destroyed those things. Really? They had to fly in like three more flats in the middle of the week because he was out. <laughs> My he just guy. needed more. Needed more. And that so. shit's like $30 for a six-pack in Canada. So because good. Nationalized health care. It's like some shit Steve would bring in here. Um, Molson Canadian. <laughs> easy. They easy. did uh, <laughs> Canadian icebergs is what they did at a bar when we were in Canada. That was like a slushy type deal. They're yeah. good. But uh, yeah, Canadians. Shout out to them. They're so nice. Good beer. Yeah. But we're, uh, we're, we haven't even got into loophole yet. We're still talk- we're talking about <laughs> mushrooms right now. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite mushroom besides morels? Have you ever eaten any other wild mushroom? No, I'm not. Chantrells, the yellow ones? No, none of them. Hen none of the them. Woods or Chicken no. of the Woods? Are like hen of the wo- you, do you guys have Hen of the Woods in Oregon? Yeah, and then they have the Lion's Mane, and then they have this, what they call a cauliflower mushroom, which likes a, looks like a big head of cauliflower. It yeah. can get really, really big. Um, I've had those, but... Um, Good? I'm like, yeah, but they don't have the same flavor that morels do. Morels just have... You just can't flavor. be... Some are super mushroomy. Like, they're, it's overpowered. Like, Sam and I are... Mu- I got morels tattooed on my wrist. By the way, let me get, get the cat out of the bag. Got my throat <laughs> tattooed, Todd. I went hard in the paint. Yeah, you did. Yeah, looks good though. I went for it, and I, I'm rock, I'm rocking the old dirt stash. So can't hide that one. Hey. <laughs> I, I can't hide either of them. It looks like I'll just break the windows out in your truck if you say something wrong to me. <laughs> What's up? I'm glad I'm on your side. <laughs> What's up? You're on my side. Yeah. Um. What was I? What was I getting to? Oh, being like super mushroomy tasting. But what's weird about mushrooms is like for every mushroom you can't eat, there's like a mushroom oh. that looks just like it that can kill you. Yeah. yeah. It's like, why is Mother Nature really out to get you? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And the people that write the books, you know, and then you read, they'll take a picture of it or they'll do a, like a pencil drawing of it. And then you'll read the description like... It, we've heard that some people have tried this before. You know, nobody tells you, yes, you can eat it, or no, you can't. They don't I want know. that liability. Yeah, Dude, exactly. It's that way with mushrooms and snakes. Yeah. So, <laughs> and snake. You find a snake, and you're like, I want to pick that snake up because it'd be kind of neat to be like the guy that is confident to pick up snakes. And Judd is like my go-to snake guy. And Judd's pretty confident about his snakes. And I'll be like, hey, what kind of snake is this in my yard? Is that a bull snake, a rat snake? What's the difference? Oh, it could be this, but it's most likely this. I'm like, yeah, but what kind of snake is it? <laughs> That's not what I want to hear. <laughs> you know, it's the same yeah. thing. It's like, we go to Africa. Oh, cool. A gardener's like, nope, that's a black mamba. You're dead. Yeah. Dead. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. What is this? I don't know, man. It drives me I crazy. I tell you what, I'm not picking up any snakes in Africa. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm not messing with that. You guys better come back with some good snake stories. Uh, <laughs> Sitting not, in a blind. And, not me. Yeah, hit a black mamba by uh, you on your dick. You're done. <laughs> we have bull snakes out there in Oregon, and they look like yeah. rattlesnakes. You know, they but, rattle their tail and everything. Well, right? yeah, but they just they don't have the same rattle th- kind of thing. Right. But they look just like it. And now I've got to the point where I'm like, oh, that's a bull snake. It's fine. You don't worry about it. But if right. it's a garter snake or a bull snake, it could be six inches long or you yeah. know, 26 inches long. My wife's freaking out. You know, she's like, kill it. Yeah. And I'm like, no, you it's kind of want them around. You yeah. Know, you want to point. Get, yeah. Get rid of some funny of story about a bull snake. Our neighbor found one in her yard and she called us over. She's like, hey, do you know anything about snakes? I'm like, I don't know shit about snakes. So we go over there and I could tell it was a bull snake. You know, I had a little rattler going. She's like, I called the sheriff because I thought it was, I thought it was a rattler. <laughs> I'm like, what's the sheriff going to do? I thought yeah. she was kidding. Shoot it. I thought she was kidding, you know. So we picked the bull snake up, put it in a bucket, go throw it in the cornfield and whatever. And about five minutes later, here comes the sheriff. Hey, we, we heard there's a rattlesnake around here somewhere. He gets out all nervous and shit. We're like, no, it's just a bull snake. Don't worry about it. We put it in the cornfield. Oh, <laughs> but it's like certain things. and. It's fun to talk about because we run into these things while hunting. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. South Dakota, there's a ton of snakes. Like, a bull, there's rattlesnakes there. Mm. You run into a bull snake, scares the shit out of you because mm-hmm. you think a bull snake or a rattlesnake is going to get you when you run into a bull yeah. snake. So, um, that big bull snake we ran into on the road, 
mm-hmm. that was sitting out there. I mean, I don't know how many rattlesnakes we ran over on the road. One almost killed me one in there. Yeah, and sitting in a prairie dog hole or whatever. Yep. But you don't want to be thinking about that when you're on a stalk. No, yeah. but you got to deal with it. You know, yeah. it's like it's just something that's there. It's a, it's a factor for hunting. It's like a different. It's a, it's something that I think is overlooked when you plan a hunt. Yeah, you know, we have them in Eastern Oregon for sure. And but Rat, I always rattler snakes. Yeah, and I always wonder like, what, if I heard that sound, would I know what it was? You know, because I didn't. Yeah. You know, I don't grow up around them. I don't. I don't run into them. It's so louder like, and more shocking than you think. Really? Yeah. Like okay. well, I ran into mine the first ten minutes I was in South Dakota. And it scares, it scares, it, you come unglued a little mm. bit. It's like, it freaks you out. Yeah, mm. You instantly know what it is. Yeah. Mm. It's louder than you think. And it's like, it makes you jump, you know? All I've seen is just little baby ones. And everybody says, well, stay away from those because they don't know how to control their venom or something like that. And so if they nab you, though. I've heard that. And I've heard that's also a myth because it's know. like, what? I don't know. I, I'm not going to try and find out. I'm not going to find out. You want to find out? Yeah. Say, I no. guess the moral is stay away. Yeah. Stay away. Yeah. Stay away from snakes. So yeah. let's talk loophole a little bit. So we've been partnered with loophole for a few years now and very thankful for that partnership. But I think when if we're going to talk loophole, I think we talk first things first. People think range finders, right? Right. Is that a super hard transition I just made? No, no, no. You're good. Okay. I just felt like it was really was like, hard. Everyone's like, get Whoa. to it. Um, range finders, right? It's like the first thing every archery hunter has glued to their side. If you don't, you probably should. Like, it'll save you a lot of marginal shots. Yeah. Um, if The better you are at judging distance, man, more power to you, right? But I don't trust myself enough. I'd rather have that rangefinder glued to me. Um, and there's a ton of great rangefinders from Leupold. Um I mean, I've been rocking the 1600i for a long time. Mm-hmm. That's an awesome rangefinder. I got also. But you guys have the RX Full Draw 5. Full draw five right that archery specific yeah like for the archer for yeah. you personally really yeah yeah there's a lot of range trainers out there that do ballistics for rifles but nobody's doing ballistics for for archery right? are you guys the only ones in the industry that do something like this i think other people have made some attempts in different ways but nobody's done the kind of the the kind of feature set that we've done yeah you know so yeah. um um so and there's some things that we use uh flight path and and um th- other th- relationships that we have that other people don't use so yeah so there's some differentiation in that in that let's, regard let's, let's talk about some of that like what flight path and all that means because i want people coming in to really know like if they're going to invest money into i i'm all i'm a big advocate for investing money in good optics a scope if you're into rifle hunting shotgun hunting um binoculars make a massive difference spotting scopes range finders especially close range um what does what does some of that mean? If someone's in the market, they want to invest good money into the rangefinder they're going to keep for a long time. Like so, like the the full draw five, for example, we had the full draw four last year, and, and we just launched the full draw five this year, and and you know it works really well for guys that do a lot of competition three D, you mm-hmm. know, um, from that standpoint because of the ballistic aspect, because you can you can actually take the 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 factors of your you know of the the setup that you're shooting. And you can work that in just like you would with a rifle, right? A different caliber, a different, you know, um, BC value and, and all those things. And and you can input that into it so it's just a more accurate product, right? So in this case, for, for flight path, you know, we'll take measurements, 
you, you're going to look at your your bow your IBO speed right, but you're gonna you're gonna chrono that right. You can't mm-hmm. just take the speed that they tell right. you that it's that'll do. So you'll chrono that, and this one has a range from like 170 feet per second all the way to 550. So even trad guys, you know, that like to shoot long bows or recurves or whatever, they can still utilize and enter a ballistic solution into their yeah. rangefinder and use it for their setup and stuff. And so, you know, you've, that's one aspect that you've got. Um, you've, you you do, like I said, you do your chrono, your bow, and then you've got your arrow, total arrow weight, mm-hmm. and then you've got your, your uh, peep height measurement. Yeah. From full draw, right? So, you know, you go to full draw and you'll measure it from the peep to the center of your shaft. Yep. And that's somewhere in that three, three and a half inch range or whatever. But once you get those factors, you enter them all in there and it's going to give you a ballistic calculation based on the true flight of that arrow. Yeah. So it'll be specific to that setup, right? So, you know, uh, if somebody else has a different measurement for any of those three, it's going to be different for them, right? Right. So it's the most accurate um, uh, archery range finder that we have for that. The other thing it has is flight path, and this uh, is the, I mean that's a big this is like the big deal, right? Yeah, you know? as far as obstructions go, you always wonder, you know, if you're I, did, I hit that limb, I didn't I didn't see it, I hit it and everything, and so flight path is going to tell you your arrow flight, and it's going to give you some indicator in there that's going to tell you if you're going to hit an obstruction or if you're going to go, you know, above it and, and miss it. And obviously if it's below that and you might run into it, you're going to have to kind of reposition yourself. But yeah. there's two modes in the full draw five. There's a 20-yard mode and there's a midpoint mode. And most of the hunters are going to use a 20-yard mode, which basically tells yeah. you that from your your line of sight as a shooter, the 20-yard mark is the highest point of that arrow flight, right? So mm. it'll give you an indicator in, in the uh, display – It'll give you an indicator, and if there's a limb that's below that, then you're going to tell yourself, like, okay, I'm going to have to slide left, right, whatever, just yeah. to get out of that way of that. If if that indica- if that it, uh, obstruction is, is above that, then you're like, I'm good. You're I, clean. I know yeah. I'm not going to hit it. But it's kind of weird when people think about it, like your 20-yard pin. How can your 20-yard pin be the high point? But when you look on your site, obviously your top pin's your twenty yard pin, and that's based on you know you looking through a peep and everything. Yeah. And the arrow it, that's gonna you know when it when it flies, it's that's the highest point that it's gonna hit. Mm-hmm. Right. And so you know for some people are like, oh, light bulbs on, and they get it right away. And other people are like, what? Mm-hmm. You know, it's too complicated. But right. um, it makes sense for me when we talked about the twenty yard pin because. I know I can, you know, I can just use my twenty-yard pin and know that if that <clears throat> branch is below that, I better, I better find a different position if I can, for sure, or cut that branch out, or you know, whatever right. it is. Yeah, for a lot yeah, of great for preseason, yeah, hanging yeah. stands and stuff. If you're doing that, it's like yeah. probably an overlooked feature, right? Yeah, for sure. You can get up in your stand, like you say, and you can sit there and range certain points. And if you start seeing limbs that are in the way. Then you just get those limbs out of the way. You don't mm-hmm. have to like sit there and cut all these limbs down and everything. All of a sudden, you're fully exposed. So that's you, a, you can kind of clear your lanes a little about bit more. That. Yeah, you can clear. Those that's lanes. a big deal for hanging bang guys. I bet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Holy shit! That just uncovered a whole other way of marketing this for me. Yeah. Because what do you do when you get in your stand? Right. You start ranging certain areas just so you have a reference point and stuff. And so yeah. Now you're going to start looking at limbs that are in the way and things. Well, we've okay. all been there when you hang a stand. You're like, man, I really love the way this is covered in and tucked in. And you look at it like you hang it, you get down and look like, God, it's covered. But then you get up there. Like, shit everywhere. I got one spot to shoot. Yeah. Well, it's really you could be like, there's a pocket 
can I make that pocket work? Oh, I'd hate to have a 180 step in there and hit that limb. Well, you can get in there, but well, that's where he'd be. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm good. Or I can cut this one little limb, but keep most of yeah. my cover with this big three-inch limb or whatever it may be. Yeah. Right, because most people see that little pocket, and they cut the whole limb off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they're I mean, just like, fuck it. Let's open all this shit up. Right. And then next thing you know, you look like you're that dude, that blow-up thing at the car. Yeah. 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 Spotlights <laughs> on you and say, look at me, look at me. Yeah, yeah you're up there shining. Yeah. Sign on top of your head. Yeah, that's yeah. a big deal. That's a yeah. big so the, to a range finder like so the full draw four only had the 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 midpoint mode which had been you know if i range something at at 40 yards then it it'll show me the midpoint 20 yards it'll show me where that where that is right but the the full draw five has both the midpoint and the 20 yard pin reference right so mm-hmm. the midpoint works great for 3d guys you know so they can kind of you know uh work that into their to their setup and everything um, but I think from a hunter perspective, you know, the 20 yard pin just, just makes more sense. But uh, yeah. again, you know, I, I might, you, you guys hunter. might all look at it and you might in your brain, it might click better on the midpoint than, than 20 yard point. So you have the option of going, whichever one makes more sense forth, in your head. Right. right? Yeah. 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 Because sometimes people get a little bit, most you know, tree stand shots included. are tight, you know? Right. So, yeah. I mean, if you shoot round table furthest you've ever shot a deer from a tree stand, 50, 50. Wow, I didn't expect that answer right off the rip. Todd, what about you? 40. Longer than I thought, too. I'm eating my words a little bit. Uh, Austin, what about you? I did kill a deer at 50 out of a tree stand. <laughs> oh, fuck me. All right. <laughs> no. about it, you, it was Kurt? on a field edge. I mean, I was shooting into a field, so it wasn't like a timber shot. Yeah, out of a tree stand, mine's touch over 30 yards. Yeah. I think, yeah. 35 maybe 40 tops 90 percent of your shots are going to be within 25 yards oh for sure i would say if i had to calculate my library of kills i'm between 15 and 18 yards 18 yeah yeah Yeah. right in there you guys all agree with that pretty much the 50 yards was one time deal yeah that's what you're setting your stands up for (laughs) that's what you're setting around 20 yeah Yeah. if you gotta make it happen right you're using that midpoint. <laughs> yeah. Like you say, that's your longest shot. You know, what's your average shot? Yeah. Right? 18. Right. Probably yeah, right. 15 yep. to 20 yards. Yeah. 18 yeah. to 23 yards. Yeah. Yep. It's almost more of an angle than it is the distance, right? That you have to kind of think about because yeah. Yeah. that's where you run into possibly some differentiation in, you know, whatever range you get, you know. So. Well, dude, you know, you take a range finder like this, if you book a mountain lion hunt, you got a basketball pocket, some size mm-hmm. pocket to shoot a mountain lion through. It's like, but it's opposite. You're still you. It's just the same. Instead of being in the stand, you're on the ground and you're shooting up instead of down. Right. It's the same difference, right? It's yeah. probably the same math technically, but yeah, maybe it's not. I don't know. I wish I would have had this on the very first buck I ever drew back on with my bow. The one hanging right nope. here before this one. Oh yeah. Before this one I ever drew back, I had him perfectly lined up. There was a branch hanging there I didn't see. I let that arrow go and it whacked that branch. I mean, I center punched that branch. It's just a real little one coming down. That arrow went right underneath his belly. But you know what's Jeez. funny, though? Like, have you guys seen that footage of that? It's like it went viral. Of that buck that comes in, it's looking. This, there's this little, like, one-inch branch comes in. This dude center punches the branch. That's what I did. But it's – here's a, here's how you could easily mess that up. You think you, – you know, if you're sitting there, you check it with your rangefinder knowing it had that feature. But in the moment, if you hadn't already done that, that deer comes in, you're just like, he's right there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you're just right. like I don't need my rangefinders right here. I know right. how far that is. Mm-hmm. So it's like that's where I guess you sitting in the stand with that rangefinder, knowing it has that. And that feature. deer was there. I was so focused on the deer, I didn't even notice that branch. But you know, as soon as I shot, I knew I hit that branch. But then 
I let down. I'm like, oh yeah, like you could clearly see that branch was in the way. Yeah. Yeah. Easy to do in the heat in the mo- right. in the yeah. heat of the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Moral of the story: preparation is key. If you mm. invested in the equipment. Use the equipment to prevent right. get a full draw four. five. <laughs> yeah, what we're saying. Don't yeah. be an idiot. Buy it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, like you say, for especially for you, you know, for back here, you guys are up in the stands like that. I mean, I think, like you said, you get up in there ahead of time yeah. and you check it in all these areas where you think this might be an ideal lane, and you see if that obstruction's there, and you just get rid of it so that when the time comes, you don't run into that. Yeah, that problem. Right. You know, back out, out west when everybody's on the ground, everybody's kind of kind of running and gunning, spotting stock and stuff like that. Obviously, you can't do that. So you know, you're going to see something, you're going to quickly range, and you're going to be like, okay, I can got to move left, got to move right. I mean, we have more latitude to move than you guys do. Right. Obviously, yeah. Sitting up in the stand or on a saddle or something. So, yeah, it, it definitely comes into play for us at the moment, and then for you guys, I think it'd certainly be an advance kind of preparation thing for you oh absolutely the other thing on that uh full draw five is got uh what we call last target or or you know fog mode or you know rain mode and and that's ideal um for for when it's kind of like raining or foggy or snowing or something like that Mm -hmm. if you can see you know if you can see the animal then obviously if you can't see the animal, you're not going to be able to range something that you can't right. see, right? Yeah. So, but if you can see the animal, you put this thing on last target and it's going to give you a range. It's going to, it's going to punch through that, that light rain, nice. snow, fog. And so it comes in handy. Very cool. Yeah. And I think that's just often overlooked. A lot of people don't really realize what last target really does for you. And for us, um, we've been able to, with our, with our own electronic engineers, we've been able to kind of sift through that noise, what we call noise, from that return, and and really kind of focus on the the primary target, you know, mm-hmm. that's out there, and it kind of ignores everything that it hits, you know, uh, going out there before it hits the obviously the animal. So yeah, so those are key, you know, when you're in those kind of conditions, you certainly want to, you know, you want to put that last target on there so that you can kind of deal with that. And sometimes, you. Okay. you know, if you've got yeah, if you there you go. There's an image up there of the of the midpoint where there's a branch hanging down uh, below that indicator, and you're like, "Oops, that's not going to be Oops. good." So, <laughs> oh, Michael and I were talking so, before because I shot my bow today uh, before I came to the studio just to get touched in podcast land. We haven't left for Africa yet, right? Right. So we're getting touched up, and I'm like, "We're talking about the rangefinders." I'm like, "Yeah, man, my readout's black internally," and you're like, "And he's like, no, it's not. It's red." I'm like. I'm pretty sure mine's black. And I was like, but maybe it's not. Maybe it is red. Because I was I liked about my 1600 is that it's a red readout. It's bright right. in your face. And I'm like, now you got me second guessing myself. We were kind of like, not in an argument. I'm like, no, mine's black. No, it should be red. I'm like, I think mine's black. Nope, it's red. I'm like, oh, maybe it is red. I don't you, know. You turn colorblind, apparently. <laughs> I'm, I'm, just which is possible. You don't, you don't notice, though. It's like sometimes you'd be like, well, you said your right? eye, it was working. You said your eyesight was kind of. Uh, well, I got my throat tattooed. My I lost my vision. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You lost the yeah. colorness in your eyes. Yeah, it just went blacked out. You know, it's like, yeah, it's I definitely can see this red. Is red. Yeah, it's definitely red. Okay, I'm, first thing I'm doing when I get home, <laughs> you need to check it. We're gonna make a bet. I would love to bet you. Well, I'm we're... guessing he's going to take your money on this one, Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> right. It's Am a I... dude from the company, <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, are you sure, man? I don't know. <laughs> And I'm an idiot, and I know I am, so why am I making Because, well, you know, it's not like there's just a color. There's a big difference in the display between the black LCD and the red OLED. So, yeah. you um, know, it, they I'm, just... I'm still 
fairly confident mine's black. Okay. <laughs> which, <laughs> which, which one do you need prefer? To go make this bet. What would I prefer yeah. to win the bet? No, the the red or the black. Here, shotgun. Oh, I prefer the red for sure. Do you prefer the red? Yeah, especially low light conditions. It's really tough to pick up that black if it's, you know, like right. first light or last light. You know, it's hard to pick up that. Now the guys, there are, you know, there's people out there that certainly are colorblind and they, they just can't see the red very well. And so they prefer the black, but it's a different display. Um, it's a different optical performance. There's... In low light, you can actually see what's going on. Are you texting there. your wife? I just texted Sam and said, "Are you available to grab our range finder in the garage?" <laughs> debate yeah. on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, there is the LCD. The black display is is you know it blocks more light, so there's lower light transmission. So it's a, it's, yeah. a, it's not as bright of a display. Now we have a high res. We have a high. Um, what's the word I'm drawing a blank now on the, what, what the word is but we have a higher output LCD that we put in to our, our LCD displays so they're not as low uh, light transmission as what old technology used to be but it's nowhere close to the, the OLED the red OLED display so yeah that's yeah. great yeah you guys got best seller marked on the 1600i that's a that's a bad bitch right there yep. yeah they all are range. honestly even the 1500i is, is a killer range finder man it's yeah, we just launched the fifteen hundred i actually, and and uh, that one's got it's a black display and that LCD display, but it's a high transmission LCD display, so it's better. Um, it's better than the old technology. But the other thing that has in it is like a, what we call trophy scale, and so if you're looking for a certain size, you know, whitetail, for example, you say I want you know a spread of. 21 inches uh, a range you can set the range to what you're looking for hmm. in that trophy scale so that way when you see an animal you can turn that that range finder kind of horizontal what? And, and you can bracket the the you can bracket the antlers in there and say okay that's outside of my my you know my limit and so I, I can shoot that or I can't shoot that, right? So you go to some places like in Texas or whatever where you have to pay a trophy, trophy fee for Alaska. a certain size. Yeah. And that's going to tell you. This. Yeah. It's, and it, it's only available on the, the LCD, the black displays, right? So, so the 1500 has it in there. And you can, you can set that to a range and you can bracket the animal if you can get in there. And you know that it's a certain width and that just helps that, you – that would have been handy as hell in Alaska when you got a 50-inch minimum. In the area we were in, we right. didn't. But if you go to an oh, area shit. that had a 50-inch yeah. minimum, yeah. set that baby up, and then you can be like, well, he's he's outside of 50. We're good. Yeah. Wow. Gives you a range there. So that's if, he, just, that's if he's not, blame Leupold. Yeah, blame it on yeah. Leupold. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. We guarantee. Yeah. It wasn't my fault. <laughs> yeah. no, here we go. It wasn't my fault. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> No, that's, that's pretty impressive. But that's a man. that's a cool feature for that yeah. product. You know, it's a it's a, a little bit lower price point. You know, sub three hundred, and, yeah. and it's just a really cool feature that's in there. And not to um, mention, man, all your guys' stuff is badass looking. It's just got the look you want. If you buy something, you want it to look cool. Well, that's, that's true. You got to feel good. If it looks good, it, you look good. Feels good. <laughs> confidence right get more girls by yeah. loophole <laughs> <laughs> there you go take a range fight of the bar yeah but honestly man like the rx 1400i you're in you're yeah. into a good range finder for not a ton of money no that 1400i is fantastic it's a red display at 200 bucks and that's like the lowest price you've ever been able to get a red display at so it's <sighs> it's phenomenal that's a big deal yeah i really like a red yeah. display yeah mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Wish my my RX five or my full draw five had a red display. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, dude. Okay, <laughs> it's gotta happen. Did she, did she yeah. answer? No. She's, we'll we'll get. We need to come up with something real quick. You know, put on the line here. Like, I, uh, what do we yeah, want? Before she, we got those hot peppers out there. Oh no! No 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 no! Red pepper. I'm not eating one of them. I don't know if you're in for that, but I'm not. Well, it depends if I can go to the store real quick and get the solution that I told you about earlier. So maybe we just do like a secret solution. Yeah. out of the bag maybe yeah, we no, just do like a lick the pepper challenge no. <laughs> how many licks does it take you don't, don't have, have to eat it you just lick it hey, hey i ate the whole thing all right you assholes dude yeah. you're a different animal you're a different right. type of man uh, um, how about this if it's if mine is black then then loophole buys us a kodiak black tail <laughs> god damn this is high stakes <laughs> wait what, what if, if we what lose what if you lose <laughs> Then we all we'll have give, to eat the hey, pepper. Hey, we give him a t- we give him a t shirt. <laughs> and if I lose, we all eat the pepper. I come back to the yet to be named uh, property that. that Time that out. Just... I'll, I'll name my farm after you. Okay. Time out. I say my... we ain't all eating the pepper. You two are eating the pepper. I already ate it. Dude, there ain't we'll no call, way in hell I'm eating that pepper. We'll call your place White Tail Hollow East. You know, versus my Black Tail Hollow that I have okay. at my place. I'll okay, <laughs> I'll call it Winnicky's White Tail Farm. <laughs> It's no, got a good no. ring to it. No. You have to let him hunt it, though, when he comes no. back. Hey, you know what? That's fair. Hey, I'll let you hunt my farm. Oh, no. <laughs> I wouldn't do that to you. Well, you would. But mm. <laughs> You would. I don't know if there's big enough bucks there yet. What if I got, like, one of the, what if I got one of, the, like, the test models and it's black? It didn't happen. <laughs> Sorry. You're pretty confident. Yeah, he's so confident. It's got, it's got to be yeah. red. Sorry. I used it this morning, man. I'm sure. I'm sure. You're renaming your farm, bro. That's all right. I haven't named it yet. I'm not really renaming it. Yeah, that's true. The Winicky Whitetail Ranch has a good ring to it. Dude, that yeah. is actually pretty okay, funny. First of all, it's Wanicky, right? Let's well, Wanicky. Yeah, yeah. All Sorry. Credit. <laughs> Can't have all the credit. Yeah. So let's talk binoculars a little bit because I think yeah. it's probably, you know, I thought we'd get more questions on the range finders on what we use specifically. But the most common question we get from listeners is the binoculars. Like, hey, what are you guys running? And it must just be there's a greater variance. And 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 I don't know if they're asking which model. Yeah. Which are you running ten by forty twos? Are you running twelve by fifty? Whatever. You know what I I mean? I think most of the time it's like the ten by forty two question. Maybe you know it could be that people think there's just too many too many options and they just want somebody to help narrow it down. Could you know that could be part of it versus range finders. There's you know, people equate the number to how far it ranges. And, yeah. and first of all, I just want to make sure that people understand that that number is is a maximum range on a reflective target, like a stop sign or something. It's not yeah. on, on hair. It's not on animal. So so don't get caught up in the number, you know, right. on, on a reflective. Get caught up on the number on an animal. And right. obviously, in case of bow hunters, you guys certainly are within that range. So, yeah. so that's not yeah, If you're a bow hunter and you're like, I got a 1600, let me mm-hmm. see. Yeah. This is bullshit. It's yeah. like, well, what are you arranging, a mirror? I mean, I, I think the biggest thing people say, you know, is it a red or a black display? And is it the quote, air quotes here, angle compensated? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, everything basically out there, except for really, really, really low entry level products, I guess, um, are angle have angle compensation. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of whether it's based on trig or whether it's based on some kind of ballistic group. Right. Mm-hmm. And so trig is the the norm that you see from most people, and um, and it, it works fine once you start getting out 
past 60 yards, you know, then you start seeing bigger variant. There's variances as you go out, right? And the mm-hmm. variance gets bigger out past 60 yards to the point where it's a miss, you know, if you're using that calculation versus what we call TBR, mm-hmm. which TBR has, you know, ballistic groups, you know, factored into it. And so, um, so it's not just as simple as saying angle compensated because, you know, uh, once the distance starts to grow, that margin of error grows. And that's the difference between a hit or a miss, you know, like with mm-hmm. a rifle at 600 yards on a rifle, for example, with TBR, you're going to hit where you want to hit. But if you have the trig solution, it's going to hit low and it's going to be a miss. And we've got lots of, you know, charts and stuff like that on our website that kind of show the differences there. So I, I would hmm. encourage people to go there and kind of look at that just so they have a visual mm-hmm. understanding of that. But but trying gen- to get over my head. Yeah, bit. yeah. It gets it gets for some people it gets kind of crazy and some people yeah. really just like get into that and kind of geek out. Well, that's over great it. that that's there. Yeah. You know. And that's again, that's that goes back to our, you know, using our own electronic engineering, you know, uh, expertise to try to kind of sort through all that. And the other thing is black and white targets, especially you guys are bear hunting, mm-hmm. right? You know, rangefinder the 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 pulse kind of absorbs into a black target. So if I'm ranging a bear, and I'm raging something that's lighter colored right next to it. Some people are going to, you're going to see with other brands, you're going to see up to two, three yards difference. No you know? kidding. And, yeah, because it doesn't, it, the, the black surface kind of absorbs that, that pulse and it doesn't send it back as quickly. And so therefore it measures it as being further away. Mm-hmm. And in reality, it's not. Right. You know, but we've been able to sift through that variance, you know, with our electrical engineers. And so you'll get like a tenth of a yard difference between our readouts, between a, a light and a dark target. Where if you have no some, shit. some other people's and, you know, you can people can go check it for themselves. You know, it's really simple. You can do it in store, you know, take a black archery target and have a, you know, just a white piece of paper or something right next to it, anything lighter. And you range them both and you compare us to some other people and you're going to see a difference. And so, wow. Yeah. So there's some things like that, 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 you know, having the advantage of having our engineering kind of staff um, that helps us kind of sort through all those things and kind of, you know, kind of yeah. fine tune that stuff and get the performance that we're looking for. So I didn't, under, I didn't know all yeah. that. Mind yeah. blown. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's stuff are, that you could test in store. See that yeah. sign over there? Range right. that, range, range the wall. Yeah. It's interesting. Easy. It's an easy thing to demo. So, you know, you can take a black target and take, something that's lighter color right next to And you guys have people in-house that kind of like engineer yeah. all this stuff that work for yeah. Loophold. Yeah, we have our own electrical engineering staff. We have our own optical engineering staff. Um, and then, of course, we have lots of design engineers and, you know, mechanical or manufacturing engineers. So because of, yeah. you know, because of the factory on site right there. So, Dude, yeah, um, that's so, yeah, we can, you know, we can create some differentiation there. Uh, Do you know someone who ways. needs a tour? We need to come out to Loophold. We yeah. got to make a trip. Yep. Eric? You would lose your mind. I, w- I think I would. You would lose your mind. The like the amount of machinery. The tour is badass. You anything like that? Like I mean, next year we got to make it. You out have there. a shop yeah. like that. We're, like, we're going to loop. I'm next saying year. like when we if we ever went to Lee or something like that. Some with all those machines and everything. Yeah, I'd lose my well TD mind. Like the the um, the depth of your guys's tour is like damn. That's cool. That's oh, and you see more. You keep seeing. You see more, and then you keep seeing. It's incredible. Like we're going next summer. We'll figure something out. We gotta go. Yeah. So and just come out for a weekend or something and hang out. Definitely. And podcast. We'll figure, figure out a, a great time and we'll do some other things while you're there. 
Yeah, let's do that. Give you a little taste of the North. When I tour shop, though, I'm like, I want to be so hands on. I'm like, I want to build my own binoculars. Like, let me in there. <laughs> Dude, and all the guys that work there are cool as hell. Like, really? so, like you, you're doing the tour. Like, what's up, man? Talking to you, which we'll, is what you want. We'll let you wear safety glasses and everything, Eric. <laughs> you, ever, you ever wore those? Hey, can we just wear loopholes <laughs> every day? Hey, you guys, don't, <laughs> do you guys have loophole performance eyewear with clear lenses in them? Yes, we do. Yeah, you better. Yes, we do. And speaking of that, boots, my favorite pair of eyewear ever, I believe. Yeah, yeah, let's transition to that part. before we deep dive into yeah, binocular okay. since we're on it. Yeah. Um, how the hell are you going to make a pair of performance eyewear and a bunch of working class idiots like us are going to wear them and not fuck them up? Because they fit right every time you put them on your head. Dude, you know? it's. I don't think people really believe us, but we had them at the shoot and like people were trying them on and they're like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. Like, this is like bad. I'm like, I'm telling you. Why are you buying Oakleys? Mm-hmm. You should be buying from hunting companies. They fit awesome, and they're durable as shit. Like, if you want to ruin something, give I, it to this guy, because I'll ruin <laughs> yeah. it. I still yeah. have the first pair, and so do you. I do. That they sent us, and I haven't broke them yet. My drunk ass, I step on a lot of sunglasses. Mm-hmm. Not these. I'm, I'm aware of where they are at all times. I work in mine every day. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've got some scratches on them, but I beat the shit out of them. Yeah, you're farming. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's every day I'm wearing those things. They're yeah. awesome. No, they work great. I mean, I, I think that's the biggest thing. We've all gone and tried on, you know, anywhere from well-known name brands all the way down to gas station sunglasses. We've all tried oh, yeah. them on, and you're always like, how many pair do you have to try on? And you're like, oh, that one fits weird on one side, or it's, you know, pushing on my nose on the left side, and it's, yeah. you know, pinching my it's above my tight, ears. Or, yeah. yeah, and every time, and no matter what frame you pick up, every one you put on, it just fits. It just fits right. You know, yeah. Then it just comes down, do you like the way it looks on you? Cause, For sure. You know, they're all ballistic rated, shatterproof, you know, polycarbonate lenses. The, the They're ANSI frames, so they're all... All just you know, super durable and really, really. So guys, they wear them at work and still pass their safety. Yeah, they can requirements. Yeah. You hear that, yeah. guys? Trust yeah. me, I've tested it. Yeah. So I'm like, hey, I got safety glasses. These will work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> These will work. Yeah. Dude, yeah. you got to get motion race works on the on the horse. <laughs> right. Just, just have them there. For, have those in times. the bin. <laughs> in the bin, just grab them out. Yeah. East Bling glass. Just hand that loophole to should do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. kind of deal can we work out? Got here? a uh, corporate uh, purchasing plan? Or? Yeah. We could, I'm sure you probably know somebody. That dude, just <laughs> talk to somebody. I don't know. That. <laughs> Every dude, that'd be sweet, man. Every dude at Eastland Glass is rocking mm-hmm. loophole eyewear. Do you guys do clear lenses do. and stuff? Or? We do, especially on certain models. There's a couple of models that come with clear lenses um, uh, with them. And uh, they come with a clear lens and they come with like the. Um, what is it? The kind of the more yellowish kind of lens, like a shooting glass, like mm-hmm. for upland shooters and stuff like that. And yeah. uh, and then a, a, a tinted lens. There's a few that come with all three of those. And then there's some other things in the works right now too. So oh, I need a pair of the clear lens. Can I throw in a suggestion? Work all product day. suggestion. Yeah. yeah, you guys need the Conor McGregor's where they fl- they're they flip up and then they're clear and then they flip <laughs> down. I would totally <laughs> buy a pair of those, dude. Me with this mustache. Oh yeah. Oh money, dude. <laughs> Look out. That's you. Yep. Doug, Doug's reputation's a threat. You get a pair of those. As I told Kurt the other day, when he cut that in, I'm like, you got to tell Doug to shave his because only one of you can have a mustache. <laughs> There's only room for one of those. Different classes of mustache, man. We yeah. got Boot and Crockett, SCI, and Pope and Young, and mine's somewhere below Pope and Young. <laughs> <laughs> but if you're doing this for Africa, then you kind of probably are the SCI guy. I think we all need to do it for Africa. Jacob said he saw my mustache, and uh, shout out to Jacob, and he's like, 
dude, we're all doing mustaches for Africa. Like, well, well, easy. Hey, you know, you <laughs> hey, know. I'll do it. I'll do it tomorrow if you want me to. I'm, dude, if I'm we're down. doing it for Africa, let's do it. I mean, I'll I'll keep it if everyone else is doing it. Doug, we're you coming gotta go for foo you. man chew though. That's, I'm doing the foo. That's you your, got the chops. Mine just looks so felony charged. It's perfect. I wouldn't trust my kids around you. No, dude, I, would, <laughs> I wouldn't trust your kids around me either, man. For sure yeah. not. You know what I mean, though? It's like, it's a different, mine's just a different level of like, mine's criminal. Your guys is like, that guy's kidding around. Mine's like, that dude's a criminal. He, he looks like he's serious. And you're definitely going to have people coming up trying to bum a smoke. <laughs> Dude, for sure. I'm 100%. just gonna keep half lit. Every time I shave the mustache, people ask if I was a child molester. Well, that's, that's how aggressive. bad mine is. It's what's, aggressive and offensive. What's funny to me, it's Kurt, is that you're worried about your mustache and people judging you. Yeah, you have a throat <laughs> tat. You got throat, <laughs> throat tat. You got <laughs> hand tats. You <laughs> no got gauges. He's you know? worried about his mustache. <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be the the trigger. Right Something there. he can shave off tomorrow. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, I think you're good. I'm committed. All right. <laughs> It's it's what's that old saying? Yeah. I think Wiz Khalifa once said, "I'm not addicted, I'm committed." I like right. that. You know, okay. guys with tattoos, you know, we don't have commitment issues. That's a great saying, actually. I love that. Yeah, I'm not addicted, I'm committed. Oh, Michael wanted to see your tattoo too. By oh oh yeah, we've got that right seen now. Nothing. No Dude. one's seen it on video, have they yet? Well, I got to get a zoom up to overlay. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's not it's a little bit different than what they describe. I won't tell you what they describe. It's but. damn near. A <laughs> Can you tell ball. what it is? It's the uh, yeah, ball. You yeah. like that? What's yeah. the, Do you have any tattoos? What's no, the ball you that you always ask it questions? Like yeah, like the, magic, uh, magic, magic eight ball. Eight ball. Is it magic Will I kill ball? a big buck this fall? <laughs> yeah. 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 Ask hey. again later. Yeah. <laughs> All I'm gonna say is I've been slaying him ever since I got the tattoo. Uh, okay, dude, I'm getting an eight ball tat next session. You got to get a copy of that one, dude. I'll get an eight ball somewhere in here somewhere. That's There's what a- we should do. Get a replica. Dude, I got a replica. <laughs> just not as muddy. I'm like, hey, can you blow this tattoo out just as bad as this one? Zach Beck. I don't know if I, you want that. Well, I've seen like six other dudes with the same tattoo, so I'm pretty sure there's a stencil of this thing that you can get <laughs> oh, a hold of. Yeah. Just to actually get like a legit good it's one. It's just flash on a wall. There's like yeah. a certain era of like 90s tattoo flash. Yep. And I know, I bet you I know the, sh- the sheet it came from. Yep. You think they can come in and scan, laser scan that on your arm? For the record, I'm not <laughs> hating on happens. Tattoo Flash is actually really cool. I love Tattoo Flash. Traditional Tattoo Flash, like this little like, campfire I have, was a piece of flash on a wall at a shop when I was getting other stuff done. I'm like, I, that's amazing. I have to have that. And that's like the beauty of Flash. Mm-hmm. It's cool. It's just so like mm-hmm. Tattoo-esque, mm-hmm. you know? But, well, I, I'm sure your story is more individual than the other six people that you mentioned that might have it. Probably not. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, man. I'm trying to help you out. <laughs> Dude, I'll get an A-ball tattoo just for Austin, man. Yeah. I will. Yeah. I'll do it. Todd, so Michael, you don't have any tattoos, and Todd, no. you don't have any. None. Mm-mm. Have you guys ever thought about it? I think about it probably just because I know people like yourself and, you know, my nephew and some other people that have them here and there. And yeah. actually, my sister's got a couple of small ones. You know how they do that on oh, yeah. feet or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I haven't really... I don't know. Nothing's really. Yeah, I get it. Hit me. Yeah, yeah, I get it. You ever thought about Todd? Anything you ever wanted to get? You know, the only time I ever really considered it, my brother died in two thousand eight, and I mm-hmm. thought about maybe trying to find something that kind of, you know, honored his. Yeah, legacy. yeah, yeah. that'd be bad. Never, never yeah. came up with anything real good though. So. Yeah, that's one that you get and you never regret it. No, you know, that's for sure. That's what my left hand is for my dad. Yeah, you know, my dad had a American. Well, all right, my dad had an American traditional eagle which is kind of like the standard in american traditional art like um i actually what's funny about it he had an american traditional eagle on his arm 
and it said Freebird underneath it. And he got it so long ago, and it was so blown out. Blown out is when it kind of looks blurry. Oh, okay. It's just kind of the the ink kind of bled in underneath the skin because it wasn't. Typically, a blowout happens when the tattoo's not applied correctly. Like um, a certain eight ball we were just talking about. This eight yes, ball is very... For 20 years of age. <laughs> eight, age can do it, but you can blow a tattoo out, too. Like, I have one on my finger that I blew out, and it's just from where it's at. When I bent it after having it, it blew it out. But, yeah, yeah your tattoo's blown out. But that's kind of... Like, I, I like a blown-out tattoo to a point because it's like, hey, it's just kind of like blue screwed and tattooed. It's like a style, you know? Mm-hmm. But my dad's tattoo from age and just sun, and I think just mm-hmm. probably application was blown out, but it said free bird and cursive, and he got it after, like, his first divorce, you know? He's like, I'm a free bird, yeah. <laughs> so to kind of mock him, I got my whole right shin done with an American traditional eagle. It's one of my favorite tattoos, and it says free bird underneath it. <laughs> well, when my dad passed, and he's kind of just like, oh, yeah, I didn't really think about it. I was like, hey, check it out, Dad. Like, kind of, like, sort of mocking him, you know? Yeah. No, well, when he passed... I was like, dude, I got to do another one. Fuck it. So I did that on my hand. Uh, yeah. And it's similar to what he did, but I got one in the clouds with the Freebird thing. Everyone always asks me yeah. if it's for like Leonard Skinner. I'm like, badass song. Even better. But better story. Double yeah. application, you know? Yeah. Right. So I think that's the cool thing is the story, right? If there's a powerful enough story for you individually, you know, then, yeah. then that's, it, you know, that's the reminder and that's something that. You look at just like other things remind you, like yeah, you know, a wedding ring reminds you of certain things, sure. obviously, and yeah, you know, whatever. But yeah, yeah, I get my wife gives me shit all the time because I don't wear a wedding ring, but I have a diamond tattooed on my finger. I'm like that's good, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't need anything else, but yeah. she, she disagrees. Oh, she, <laughs> she, trade shows, I need to wear one. Mm-hmm. We all get yelled at for that, not wearing a wedding ring. That's the time when they want you to wear one. I wonder why. Hey. For some reason. That's a beauty. Eric's showing us up. <laughs> you wear a wedding ring. I have a silicone one. Yeah, that's so what mine it's, is. A, it's a substitute for the for the real one, but well, that would be your first tattoo. Yeah, I know, I know guys that have gotten the tattooed, you know, wedding rings. And I know a lot of guys that have gotten divorced. Ninety percent <laughs> <laughs> of the guys that get the tattoo wedding yeah. ring get a divorce. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I I'm confident I don't have any chance of that. But uh, yeah, you know, but the silicone ones are great. <laughs> that's for yeah, sure. Yeah, I break. Well, I used to break them all the time, but yeah, um, when you warm, it's good transition. Well, go back to eyewear. I mm-hmm. guess we got on a tangent, which is kind of fun about our podcast, I think, but maybe frustrating to some people. But um, <laughs> I think the eyewear, like, definitely, if like you're looking to buy, if you're going to in the market for like a Ray Ban or an Oakley, what are you doing? If you're a hunter, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's gonna it's gonna hold up as good or better, certainly, and, better. and you know, it's polarized. It's not polarized. It's on the on the surface of the lens. It's infused inside. So it's protected. It'll always be polarized. Oh, so it's really? just a matter of whether you're, you know, going to keep throwing them off your head into the gravel or <laughs> whether you're going to keep them on your head and protect yeah. them and stuff like that. Because certainly the lenses are, you know, the softest part of it. And, and uh, yeah, you know, they, they take the biggest beating from people using sandpaper. It's the biggest surface area, area, too, you know. Yeah, you know, but uh, but other than that, I mean, they're, you know, you can get replacement lenses um, really easy and slot, obviously a lot And prescription. Expensive. And we're yeah, that's that's we don't have that in the in the um, like finalized yet, but that's something that is you know is something that we're looking at. So. Cool. Oh, I thought you could already order them. That no, was the that's no. A, I have that on my to do, but yeah, I need to get that. But there's some there's some little hurdles that you have to overcome to get be through. able to do that and everything. So trust yeah. me, they're durable as shit. Yeah, yeah. Fisherman's a big market right now just because the yeah. polarized and like right. the durability and you the comfortability. Fish with them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, been yeah. testing them out. Yeah, we've got yeah. a number of big, you know, pro bass fishermen. That Brandon Polinick has got them. Yeah, Brian Cox. Uh, or 
Did I get that wrong? I hope I didn't get that wrong. John know. Cox. I'm sorry, John Cox. Uh, apologies to John if he listens to this. <laughs> Shout out to John. Uh, What's up, buddy? Seth Fader is another big time guy, you know, and there's a, there's some other ones too that are that are really, you know, kind of glamored on to the product and really see that it's working well for them. And and yeah, it's, you know, it's it's just a great product. I mean, it really is. And yeah. it's not just a sunglass. It's it's a it's a Dude, you guys you guys honestly it's like we've talked about it we've used all your stuff even your down to your shirts and jackets yep. and stuff you guys don't do anything half ass like our cameras right now this camera's on a loophole tripod like we always got a loophole tripod or something like you mm-hmm. guys just do good shit yeah quality's but, always above and beyond yeah and i don't know expect. how really i don't know how you do it like across the board honestly it's like the resources you have to like be able to dig through to get the quality. It takes time to yeah. get that stuff. Yeah, it definitely takes time. But you know, we've got seven hundred people in our in our headquarters back there, and we're all consumers, right? We yeah. all we want cool stuff to wear, right. and yeah, everything. So you know, there's motivating factors, you know, selfishly in that regard. But that's a good problem. Yeah, but it's not know, really a problem. It's a good benefit, yeah. really. To, to because everyone that's there loves their job. Yeah. Like everyone's very loophole proud. Like I worked at John Deere. You think I'm wearing John Deere shit? Fuck you. No. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like I'm not buying yeah. buy, I bought a Kubota. I'm not gonna lie, that that leather jacket or not oh, leather. The canvas jacket. The canvas yeah. one. Yeah. I get more compliments on that thing than anything. Yeah. And you wax yours, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, so did I. It's Fancy. Even better. I'm just running raw dog on yeah. my yeah. <laughs> real nice. Step up, but matches the stash. Yeah, you know. what's up? No, <laughs> we've raw got raw dog in life. Say something to me, I dare you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're not just your, you know, what people call swag, you know, company when it comes to that. We call it Pro Gear. And, and so we've got certainly, you know, great product line, you know, of apparel that, and, and soft goods and equipment. And we've got some great stuff that's due to come out, you know, this year and the beginning of next year. So, you know, we just yeah. continue to expand on that. But, um, but, you know, like I said, we're all motivated because we're fans and of the brand as much as you guys are. And so yeah. we want to make stuff that we want to represent and, like I said, I told a lot of people, it's no different than wearing Adidas or Nike or Under Armour or anything like that, right? To kind For of sure. demonstrate who you are and kind of what you're into. Right. It's a good way uh, to put it. Same thing. You, know, you guys have stuff you can go out and kill a deer with, and then you could also go to dinner with your girl. Yeah. And absolutely. Right, in the same clothes. Yeah. Literally. Yeah. That's a hard line to cut yeah. right there. And you can do hey. your food plots. You can hang your cameras. You can go camping. You can go just go to the beach. You can... Yeah. You know, whatever you want to do. You know, and then go get a prime rib. And, I need to step yeah. up my game. Yeah. <laughs> you already got a wax jacket, dude. What's up? You already stepped it up. I'm saying it? on our store. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we need to do. yeah. You are the store guy. I know. I'm going to yeah. clean my hands of that and hand it to you. Yeah. Yeah, you well, coordinate with Michael. We can here. talk a little bit more. We yeah. can. Yeah. We need a leather jacket that guys want to buy beeswax for or whatever the fuck. I'm going to have to sit there and <laughs> wax all these hand jackets. Hand wax before I send them out. <laughs> you want it pre wax it's a $50 upcharge because yeah, it 50. takes X amount of time. We'll let Doug do that. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, what's he doing? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, driving to his girlfriend's house. Um, that's why he's not here, because a gay dude wrecked her in her car, apparently. Um, he, his word's not mine. What's up, Doug? Um, let's talk binoculars. <laughs> yeah. Um, 10 by 42s are kind of my my jam. Yep. yep. I think that's all of our jam. Um, you said West one Med. time, don't have FOMO. Mm-hmm. Fear of missing out. Right. And the tree stand especially. Right. And ever since then, I've kind of cling to that saying when it comes to binoculars. Because it's true. Like, there's no really right. other accurate description of uh, hunting without binoculars. If I did that for a long time. Yep. Once you hunt with them, you see twice as many deer. Yep. You see twice as much detail. Can we change it to fear of missing deer? Hey, guys. Sorry to interrupt again. Well, I guess this is the first time I'm interrupting. 
I want to do some trade show announcements before deer season starts. Next weekend, August 27th and 28th in Bloomington, Illinois, the Illinois Deer and Beer Fest. We will be there. We'll have our booth. We're selling all our merch. And then we are having, we're actually hosting the Working Class Bowhunter After Party. Uh, there's going to be giveaways, um, live music from Cody Christian and Dustin Huff, kick-ass country music artists. So the, let's check the boxes here. Cold beer. Yeah, we got that. Us. Hey, we'll be there. Hopefully we see you. And great music. I don't know what else you want in the final month before deer season. So it's beer. There's deer, there's us, and then there's kick-ass country music. So come out, Bloomington, Illinois, Illinois Deer and Beer Fest, August 27th and 28th. You got that? So we'll see you there. Come see us. Um, Also, Bonanza on the Mountain, uh, sponsored by Gator Outdoors, our friends at Gator. Um, They're actually going to be in studio here soon. Um, It's a Bonanza on the Mountain, the biggest 3D archery party in Iowa. We're going to be there. We're going to have a booth there. We're going to be slinging arrows, having fun. It's the weekend before deer season, pretty much. So September 23rd, the 24th, uh, by Gator Outdoors. So Sundown Mountain Resort in Dubuque, Iowa. That's pretty kick-ass. Pretty close. Going to be a good time. Um, Look them up on Facebook, Bonanza on the Mountain. You'll find it there. or marketing at sundownmountain.com. Um, I think they have camping and all sorts of stuff, but it's going to be a great time. Uh, archery party right before deer season. What way to get fine-tuned for opening weekend of deer season? So Bonanza on the Mountain, come see us there. Come see Gator Outdoors. Uh, Dubuque, Iowa will be there. And, uh, yeah, we'll be there. Um, I keep saying we'll be there because that's where we'll be. Um, also, Grizzly Box Blinds got our set up. Uh, and you know, the CC hump file is also brought to you by Grizzly Cooler. So, we're covering the coolers there and the box lines on our end. We have our setup, they're kick ass. Um, and you can get into one for about the price of a lot of the other uh nice box blinds, but that's going to be a new venture for us. So, we'll try that out and see how that goes. And also, on the other side of everything, uh, Trophy Line, uh, Trophy Line's new saddle just came out. Um, they have their platforms, everything for saddle hunting. Um, and they're a cool saddle company. Not that the rest of the companies aren't cool, but they get our jokes and stuff. They get like why people make fun of it. It's silly, but it's effective. It's another tool in your arsenal. And you can use code WCB at Trophy Line. Uh, so check them out. Trophy Line, great people. Um, and Slick Trick Broadheads. Uh, Goddamn. The Viper Tricks, the Fixed Blades, Slick Trick, Code WCB, tearing it up in Africa. We have a lot to talk about there. Fixed Blades versus Expandables in Africa and shot placement and all that coming soon here. So anyway, I'm done rambling. Thanks for supporting the good people. Come out and see us over the next uh, month. So we'll see you out there. Thanks, guys. Mm. You can call it whatever you want. Yeah. It's what it is. Fommed. 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 Mm. Yeah. Didn't Todd, say- you hunt with... Binos? Never did up until two years ago, and now I won't leave. If I like, if I'm a hundred yards into the wood and I'm like, shit, forgot my binos, I'll go back and grab them. Yeah. Oh, dude, like if I do anything, even I'm just like checking trail cams. If I don't have my bino harness on me, I'm like, a, I feel naked. Yep. Mm-hmm. Even Check- just checklist: bow, arrows, release, bino range finder. Yep. yep. Like even That's in the, the spring, walking through the woods, you just you want them on your chest. You got it. If I'm shooting ten yards in my backyard, I got my binos on me. What's well, a good yeah. reason to practice with it? But it's also like shed hunting, mm. a lot less walking. Saves yep. you some steps. Yep. Yeah. Stick or a G two. 
Well, how many of you guys been Sick. sitting at a stand and you start looking at something with your just naked eye and it's like, oh, I think that's for sure that's a bedded buck. That's a time. And you're like, I know that's a buck. I know that's a buck. I know. That. And then the sun changes a little bit and you're yeah. like, that's a stump. Yeah. <laughs> right. But how much time do you stay focused on Dude. that? And then you didn't see all the other things that are happening right. around you, right? A lot. So just just cut to the chase, pull up your binos, look at it and say, mm, stump or nope, that's buck, you know. And then Well, two and like, I think the overlook factor of it, okay, movement, deer, what is it? Gratcoon, deer, whatever, squirrel, yeah. whatever from a distance. You look, yeah. okay, it's a, oh, it's a buck. Okay, what is it? Oh, he's a good G2. Okay, I, and he's 200 yards away. You're going, okay, do I want to shoot this deer? What if he comes this way? Okay, I want to shoot this deer. I'm going to get ready now. Instead of having the oh fuck moment yeah. when he's twenty yards, you're like oh I want to shoot. So you can really benefit yourself in the long run of a hunt. Like that's a deer I want to kill. I know this. Grab your bow, and then you can kind of get in position and use your optics to kind of like gauge what you think he's going to do, or body language, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think that is an overlooked factor yeah. in it. And you guys, you know, like with your hang and bang, your kind of mobile setups and stuff. You may have be sitting in one stand. You may see deer passing through this one area over there and you're like i don't have a camera over there so i'm not picking up any of that movement and you start thinking hmm and you go check it out and you might realize that maybe if i move my stand a little bit closer that way i might you know run into more opportunities yeah, or scope so, a tree out from where you're sitting for <laughs> yeah. your next oh, yeah. spot or if you're doing day. an all-day sit you know and you know sometimes they can they can be long right i've done those Brutal. you know and you need something to kind of occupy your time a little bit rather than looking at your phone or, yeah. in Doug's case, looking yeah. at birds. Bird watching <laughs> yeah. birds. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, it it just helps keep you engaged, you know. A hundred percent. Yeah, for you sure. You sit longer. For, it, su- for serious guys, looking at, like, trying to actually field judge, the difference between a 160 and a 170 at 150 mm-hmm. yards, I mean. Good, same deer from, without binos. Good glass goes a long ways long when you're talking way. about judging the difference between a 160 and a 170 at 150 yards yep. it yeah helps on a lot you know and and you always hear people say this and some people think it's a sales pitch you know but they're like hey you spend more time behind your binos than you do your scope which is certainly true or behind your peep sight or whatever which is definitely true but you know a lot of people just can't understand spending more money on a on a bino as they would you know their 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 rifle scope yeah. In reality, you know, you need those binos in order to be able to shoot something, right? You yeah, can't, sure. Don't use your rifle scope to, as a as a, as a binocular or a spotting scope. That's not yep. cool to be pointing that around. Yep. Well, uh, this? Yeah, I just need an, another yeah, uh, heavy one, but um, but you know, and and ten by forty twos are kind of the standard uh, that works for everybody. Um, that's like the base level. Yeah. They're great for close range and they're great for a little bit of distance. You know, I mean, if it's really, really tight, you know, you might want an, an eight power just because it gives you a bigger field of view. If all you your hunts like heavy timber or yeah, something like that. Yeah. yeah. That's you like know. the Midwest go-to is like the 10 by 42. Yeah. yeah to be Fair. honest with you, that's kind of like the nationwide go-to, you know, um, but if but you're unsure, go with the 10 by 42 you, pretty if much. You're, you know, if you got this combination of getting in tight or, you know, you might be in tight or you might be out in the open, just go with a, a, a 10 by 42 if you use a 12 by 50 in tight situations your field of view shrinks so much it's kind of like walking yep. through there with a spotting scope and you, you a white tail hunted with that for a season and that's it gets pretty tight 12 by 50 yeah. but if you're doing 12, if yeah. you're going to use your binoculars as a spotting scope it's right. nice to have that yeah oh, right. i yeah. use my 12 by 50s um yeah i think mine are 12 by 50s i use yeah. them on my mule deer hunt mm-hmm. and i was 
I got. I, I'm gonna humble brag a little bit. Clint and Devin were impressed with how much I was seeing. So yeah, and I'm not like it's my first time. You know, you can just got that little bit more reach. Yeah, you know, but they were on spotter. You know, they'd use their ten by forty twos to like think this saw a deer, and then mm. they'd get in with their spotter and then dial it in. You know, yeah. And I didn't. Clint's like, hey, I got my loophole spotter. Don't bring yours. Because I'm like, okay, we'll save weight. But then I'm like, right. fuck, I wish I would have brought my loophole spotter. Because the whole time I'm like, let me see. Let me see. You know, being hey, a, you hey, know, can I get a chance to sneak yeah, in can, there? Can, look? I, look? can, I, can look? I look? Yeah. But I was doing pretty good, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's that's the bad part of FOMO. Yeah. That individually, you're all feeling this FOMO thing. So you all want to have the same setup. But yeah. if you're packing in like you guys were, that's it just sucks. a lot of extra weight, you know. Yeah. And, and that's just increases the suck factor. If you're packing <laughs> right. something out, right. you're like, oh, I didn't. I wish I didn't have this spotter because those two guys also have a spotter. You know, They're big, kind of right? But yeah, it's they come in handy though. But when yeah. you glass like that type of hunt, I enjoy so much because you might glass for six hours yeah. straight. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, the, we went in the night before season and scouted a whole half a day. We got there midday. We scouted until dark. Yeah, you know, we're just glassing, looking, looking. It's so fun. Yeah. It's so much fun. Yeah. It's frustrating if you don't have enough magnification. You see something, you're like, uh, that's a deer, you know, but that's all I can tell. Yeah. You know, I yeah. mean, or I can kind of, yeah, it's a buck, but that's it. I don't know if it's, you know, worth right. a damn or not. So. We had we had a little bit of both experience. One, this one hill where glass was pretty close. Then we, then we could see really far on this mm-hmm. ridge we were on. So it was like, here it was like amazing. There it was just too far out for anything really mm-hmm. to be realistic. Yeah. Like it was yeah. just so far out. But yeah. also... Within, we could still go after something if needed. It's just going to take a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. But um, so we we got both experiences in that. But yeah, um, it was still fine. You know, we could see the yeah. frame of deer. Like that deer's worth going after. Yeah. Like oh, sixties buck, seventies buck, eighties. But we could tell. Yeah, I think yeah. the biggest thing you have to fight is right away when you get something you know that can see further. First thing you do when you stop at a glassing point is you look miles out there yep. you forget to look like what's close yeah, yeah. And sometimes you're looking right over a shooter you know and you're yep. like oh crap you know and then that's, well, that shooter's gone what's fun about glassing is like say you get a what's cool glass out west it's hard in the midwest it's not as fun it's fun but it's not as fun like it's fun this time of year it's fun this time of year because yeah. oh, deer yeah. pop out in beans yeah. or whatever but uh, yeah when you get out there you get a big mountainside you're looking at and you just all, it's like me, and I just picture me, Clint, Devin, mm-hmm. we're all glassing, and you know, we're all looking, we're, and we're quiet, we're not talking, you know. Mm-hmm. So you might sit there for an hour, and we're all like looking, and be like, I got a buck. And then everyone's like, where? Do you? Yeah. All right, where at? Where's it? Okay, you see the white tree, yeah. the dead, and then, and then <laughs> yes. so, you know what we did? Because Devin's like, you don't see, we started yelling at each other a little bit. Devin's like, you don't see the fucking white tree right there, the Fuck you know, and we're yelling at each other. And then you start pointing, and like you're like yeah. four feet away, and you're like that tree right there. Like I don't know what like, tree dude, you're pointing at. I can't th- even tow up mountain that yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, dude, I don't see the deer. I don't see the fucking tree. And then we get going. And mm-hmm. so he's all right. So what we figured out the hack is this is pro tip, and maybe it's common knowledge for Westies. I don't know. You have to tell me, Michael. But so what we did was okay. Snap a picture of the mountain with your phone. Okay. Zoom good. in. Put a dot where the deer is. Zoom out. That's where it is. Look there, you you dumb bitch. <laughs> Look there, and then, and then I'll be like, okay, oh, there it is. Yeah, okay, there it right. is. So, so that was our hack is to yeah. zoom in, mark it with like a, the marking point on the. Yeah, whatever it is on your phone, and then zoom out, and yep. then your buddy smart. can work there. So yeah, that is smart. We yeah. learned that with 
from yelling at each other. Yeah, because so. it's like, see the far ridge, see the crease to the right. There's a kind of V notch, and then there's this brown, you know, brown shrubs or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, I got that. Okay, see that gray dead, you know, tree there, and everybody's just like, okay, I, you know, and I got you're trying to walk people in, and everybody's just like, oh my gosh, see then, that treetop that goes to the left yeah. just a little bit. Dude, that's yeah. what. No, it is. I don't that's, see that. But it's yeah. It's how you view things, you know, and it's like that Devin spotted the first buck, the mule deer man, you know. So and then once I got that, I'm like, okay, it's this hard. So I need to look even more detailed Mm -hmm. than what I thought I was looking in my head. So from there and then Clint found one. I still hadn't found a deer. So then I felt like an asshole. You know, I'm like, I'm I'm the the weak man in the group here. Of course, right? I've never done it. So then I'm like, okay, now I know the level I really need to be looking on. There's like a. Well, it's the scale, the size, too. Yes. The size of the so-called dot that you're looking for. You might right. be looking for something that's much larger right. and overlooking stuff that's already there because you're, mm-hmm. not, you know, you're not thinking about that. Well, it's once like, you find the first one, then the rest of them come easier. But that's I what I'm like, saying. It's kind of like sheds, too. Once you find that first one, yeah. you're just like, oh, there's one, there's yeah. one, there's one. You get one. the eye for it. Yep. 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 But that point is when you realize the value of the quality of optic that you're right. using. Yep. If oh, you absolutely. haven't had that experience... It's hard to like really yeah. run yourself through like what you need. Yeah. I think we've all said that here. Like we didn't know what good optics were till we had good optics. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't need a good spotter. No. If but, you've never hunted out what you don't need a spotter in Illinois unless you're scoping no. beanfield deer right. that are three, four, five, six hundred mm-hmm. yards out, you know. Um until you go out west. Yeah. A spotter's not really as necessary. So, like, binos, we covered that. 10 by 42s, it's pretty, like... It's the standard to start with. What's probably the most common model 10 by 42 that, like, you think a Midwestern guy or... Yeah, I think it comes down to, you know, generally price points. So anything that's just under 300, it fits a lot of people's budget. And then for those people that can go a little bit further, anything that's sub 500, you know. So for us, it'd be the BX2 Alpine HD and at uh, sub 300 and then we yeah. have the bx4 pro guide hd at at sub 500 so that's kind of generally you know depending on people's uh their budgets and everything like that what works um the yeah. best for them but i mean we'll go we'll go sub 200 with our bx1 mckenzie um in in both 42 and and 50 millimeter um products and so We've got all of the magnification ranges covered all the way up through the line. It just really comes down to that. And I, I would yeah. say that, you know, it, the further you're going to look, you know, the the more the more expensive price point that you right. move up to because it's just going to give you that resolution at clarity. Distance. Yeah, distance. Right. If you're not looking, if you're looking two three hundred yards, yeah, BX two Alpine HD or BX one McKenzie HD, perfect, no problem. Money. Yeah, yeah, timber guys. Yeah, yeah, be, be great. Guys. Be great for you. You know, and and like I said, those will start sub two hundred and go to sub three hundred range. Yeah. And so I yeah. never got that until going out west. Yeah. You know, like you, you get, you always hear like my buddy Jim Burns uh, just recently in past always said, "Dude, if you're gonna spend money on some optics, like you won't regret it, and you just keep them forever." Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, it's lifetime like, guarantee. You know, so yeah. it's a it's a it's one an time for your yeah. hunting. It's a one time, and you know, you can always pass them down to your wife or your kids or whatever. If you want to upgrade eventually, you know, you yeah. feel justified. Yeah, what are you gonna quit hunting? What are you yeah. scared to spend the money? My yeah. loopholes will be in the will. 
I'll yeah. say that. Yeah. Well, yeah. what I'll end up being is you'll have one in every rig, right? So I got one in my truck. I got one in my wife's car. I got one in my side-by-side. You know, it's like <laughs> right. everywhere you go, you want to have them because as yeah. soon as you get somewhere and you don't have them, you're like, ah, oh, it's the worst. Know? And there's a you know, herd of elk out there, and you're just like, God, I can't look at them. Yeah. Close to my them. parents went out west. They're out west right now. They're in Montana, and I I sent them with the 12 by 50s. Oh, yeah, that's perfect. So I'm like, hey, I got some binos if you guys want oh, to take did. them with you. You did send them with them. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good. Oh, they're loving it. Because they asked me, like, do you got any binos we can use? I'm like, I got you. So you probably won't get them back is what I... No, I'll probably, <laughs> my, my old man will probably keep them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'll probably be getting an email from, from uh, Eric here in a little bit. My parents are yelling at me. Yeah, I need a new My mom and dad took my stuff. <laughs> One, I want to cover uh, spotting scopes, like, for briefly, you yeah. know, like, we have a, you know, we have a nationwide audience, but focus midwestern there's a lot of guys that are listening to clint casper on the cc hunt file scream at them motivated to go west the guys are planning their first trips mm-hmm. we got guys that are going bear hunts with us for the first time that are going to be glass and hillsides doing that type of shit if they want to like hey i want to buy a spotter to just have in the bag every time i go out west or do those those beanfield whitetail scouts like what's probably like that good um average range spotter that a midwestern dude could get into for his investment yeah, it's kind of like uh, binoculars, to be honest with you. I mean, we, we start out with our SX2 uh, Alpine HD spotter, and it comes in a 60 or a 80 millimeter, right? So I'd say if you're bow hunting, you know, you're, you're probably going to pack a, a, a 60 or 65 millimeter spotter because it's smaller and it's just more compact and you're, you're obviously hunting more close range. And so yeah. you're not going to look 10 miles out there and, you know, take off and go track something down. Yeah. Um, but you know those are going to start sub four hundred bucks. You know for That's something like that. That's a great price for a yeah. spotter, man. Yeah, and um, you know so those would be great. And I, again, as you go up in in price point, you go up in just optical design, a prescription, right? So prescription, yeah, that makes that's a good way to put yeah, that. It's a prescription, and so you know the more refined the prescription is, the better the performance, the better the resolution, the clarity. Um, it takes more glass, so you know just. It's more expensive, and yeah. it's just it's just what you need to get to the performance that you're looking for. But, but yeah, generally I'd say bow hunters, you know, sixty sixty five millimeter um, spotters uh, are ideal for them, if especially if they're going out west. I know back here in in the in Midwest and stuff, a lot of water followers like to use the spotters to scout. You know, they'll be scouting fields and ponds from a distance to see if the geese and the ducks are coming in there. And we have a we have a um, a national sales manager that's based out of Minnesota. Or, sorry, sorry, Jay. Uh, he's based out of Michigan, and he's a big, big waterfowler, and he's constantly using his binos and his spotters. Really? Yeah, to check out places. I never thought about that. I yep. wouldn't either. No. They'll see. They'll see a bunch awesome. of geese. Give me that Kamado right there, will you, buddy? They'll see a bunch of geese coming into the uh, into a certain field or whatever, and they'll be able to check it out and see what it looks like through their spotters. And uh, no and, shit, I never even. They'll make a play. That's something it. we've been talking about for years. Yeah. We we'd do it if we you know, we've never done it. We didn't right. do it together. But, you know, again, like anything else, it's just it's space, right? You need space. You need to see something further out there. And, you know, if you don't want to go with a, a, a 12, 50 bino, um, the spotter works great for that. Um, and you can obviously do some other things through it, too. You can do some digiscoping through it. You can take some photos through it and all yeah. those kinds of things. And real like, quick, too, like, could you just break down, like, what the 10 by 42 means? It's like a, in case people didn't listen, we've done to the last this before, one. but it's always good to yeah. redo refresh it. it, yeah, because yeah. yeah. I forget, dude. You know, yeah. I mean, your standard eyesight is one x, right? No magnification; it's just natural. Your natural eyesight is is one time, 
right? And so the higher you go in that in that magnification, the the more you know that you can see up close. So a ten x is ten times your your eyesight. Okay. So uh, eight times is 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 less than that, obviously. So mm-hmm. it just allows you to see for you know things further out at, out at distance, and so. You know, a, a 10 power binocular is a fixed 10 times magnification and it just, you know, it's 10 times better than your eyesight, right? basically. So, um, and so it's as simple as that. And, and, um, as you go up in magnification, your, your kind of field of view that you're looking at kind of shrinks down. Right. But, but, you know, as you go up to a 12 X or a 15 X binocular, you're, you're generally looking much further. Right. So the field of view is measured at a thousand yards. Well, when you're using a 12 X or a 15 X, you're looking way beyond a thousand yards. So, you know, so your field of view is still pretty, you know, at distance is still fairly large. Right. Mm -hmm. But up close is, is where people get kind of like, if you're going to go to Let's say you're going to go watch a football game. You're going to go to a Packer game because why would you want to go to a Bears game, right? So, <laughs> hey, so, at this point, fuck anything I want on. <laughs> but you go to a something small venue like that, you're going to want a, a, a smaller magnification, right? right because yeah, yeah. you can see more action through the binos, right? And you're is that not, a thing people use to take binos at the games? Sure. Yeah, especially if you're up in the nosebleeds and stuff, you can sit there. Especially a baseball game or whatever, you can just sit there because you're looking for something to look at. Yeah, the cheerleaders. You know? Yeah, you can just look at whatever. I can see down your shirt. Yeah, <laughs> Doug. Doug yeah. would be watching. Yeah, yeah. Doug's just mustache all steamy. Yeah. <laughs> so, but but basically that's what it comes down to. And okay. then the larger the objective, um, I think if everybody held up their binos and kind of like in front of their uh, face, they'd see this kind of like white circle coming through the eyepiece. Yep. Mm-hmm. And the the smaller that that objective, the far end of the binocular is, the smaller that little what we call exit pupil is, right? And so, um, and that's what allows you to see better in, in lower light conditions, more lights getting through to your eyes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, generally speaking, larger objectives is going to help maintain a larger exit pupil, which means you're just getting more light into your, into your eye. You know, and you guys don't know yet because you're not old enough. But as you start getting older, I feel like my eyes are bad, man. <laughs> as you start getting older, you can't see you as well in, in the dark. You can't, you know, because your pupil doesn't dilate as big, which right. means that less light's getting into your eye, which means you can't see as well yeah. in the dark, right? And so, anyway, there's all those things that kind of help you. Uh, help you kind of maximize those conditions. So that's but, like early uh, in the morning. That's why when I bring up those binos, you can see a lot better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. So. No, I'm just seeing what's walking by. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm out there before the sunlight comes up. 3.30. I'm prepared. Okay, just checking. Not 3.30. No, I'm not in the stand there. Makes really good sense. Yeah. And you guys got it all going on, man. You got everything a little bit. Um, It's all quality shit. That's what I love. We should, you know, we should talk. We should talk scopes. Yeah. Because that's something I feel that we've never really... um, given love to because it's something we don't use all the right. time we're from illinois so we're not big rifle hunters i mean we have we can have a coyote gun but yeah we're not i mean typically yeah. people that are deer hunting in illinois aren't looking for a high-end western scope right and, and you know i've killed one deer with a loophole scope in, in oregon which was great you yeah. know i really enjoyed it honestly with a rifle i loved it um but it's just something here at home we don't use a ton right so as and, a selfish illinois gun hunter we can we can shoot a muzzle loader or a slug gun what's a good scope that's going to handle now that this recoil? year what didn't they just pass like it's coming yeah 
What what's the like whole a deal? Single with shot rifle or yeah. Or well, or it's the same thing that Iowa's got going on. They, so like. If it's the same thing that Iowa has, you can shoot a straight wall cartridge. Straight wall, yeah. Yeah, That's straight wall. Yeah. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the typical Illinois firearm for gun hunting is going to be a muzzleloader or a shotgun. So what's a good scope that's going to hold up to some big recoil? Well, the easy answer for, for us, and it's the truthful answer, is is any of our scopes will. Okay. Because they're all designed to handle that maximum recoil. Right, we don't just design our our premium level scopes to handle that maximum recoil. We we design all of them to handle that, so that's not a factor. Great, you know, you can use anything, and and again, it comes down to it comes down to your budget. I mean, we'll start at at you know two ninety nine for our rifle scopes, right? So I don't know if a lot of people even realize that. I think a lot of people go, oh, okay, loophole, it's premium, it's really expensive. I don't know if I can afford it, but if you really look into it. You can, you know, we've got a great product in the in the VX3 HD, you know, that that will answer everybody's needs at a phenomenal price point, you know, and and super lightweight. And and as you go up in price, obviously you go up in features, you go up in optical performance, you know, and and you can spend as much as you want to spend. But um, but for situations like you're talking about, you know, our, our VX3 HD, our VX Freedom, I mean, those products, super affordable, sub 300 bucks, um, sub sub 400, depending on features and the magnification range. But um, but that'll do everything that you need it to do and, and more. For sure. Awesome. Yeah. And, and again, you know, same thing that we've had for 100 years, you know, lifetime guarantee. So um, stuff's made and serviced and everything right there in Oregon. So it's a uh, it's phenomenal product. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's pretty simple. It really, you know, you you figure out like, okay, the first question that people have is, you know, they come in and say, I need a rifle scope for this. And, you know, this is what I'm hunting. And we uh-huh. say, okay, you know, what are you hunting? Where are you hunting? What's, so we know what it's like as far as mag range, right? So the first thing we want to tell them is, is what's the ideal magnification range for you? You know, some people, if it's in tight quarters, we might say, well, you know, how about a one and a half to four? Or how about a two to eight? You know, something like that that's, you can have it on low power, so if you see something 50 yards away, you can throw it up and you can still find it real quick in the scope, right? Because yep. people, if they got too much magnification, they pull up their rifle. Can't and find it. They can't find it, right? right? So you want something low magnification, and you don't need a lot of high mag because you're not shooting that far. Right. You know, and so you can do – so it's scenario-based like that, you know, and that's how you can tell people, like, okay, based on where you hunt and kind of what you're hunting, this is kind of – your ideal magnification range. And then it comes down to just simply what's your budget, you know, and then as you, as you go to places where you might be shooting further out or for different things or whatever, then you might want to extend your magnification range. And, you know, and then from there, you know, you just look at different options. Um, but, um, but we've got something for everything, but I think like anything else, everybody walks into a store and they see this massive scope counter mm-hmm. and they're like, Oh my gosh, there's so many scopes. I don't know. I don't know enough about them. I don't know where to go. I don't want to sound stupid. I don't know what to ask. It's overwhelming a little yeah, bit. Yeah. And you just simply kind of say, look, I I'm, I'm hunting whitetail in Illinois and, uh, you know, using muzzle loader and, shotgun. and, you know, my ideal budget is, you know, whatever, 400 bucks or less you know what are my options and they can quickly throw out two or three things and you know and then you look at them and you kind of hear about the feature set and everything and you kind of go okay how much is this one this one this one what are the feature comparisons and you go okay this one looks good and you make a decision and you're you know you're good to go you're out the door it's really not that hard 
and people are more than happy to help answer questions like that. So, um, so like I said, it's a one-time buy. You never have to worry about it. You know, it's going to be guaranteed. If you got issues with it, you send it back in, and they'll look at it and they'll fix whatever it is, and they'll send it back to you. And it's it's you know it's for life. And so there's a lot of hand-me-down scopes and stuff like that that everybody has. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we know a lot of like the the Schmitz, Trevor. And Hannah, mm-hmm. their family is a loophole yeah. family. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they have loopholes from their grandfather, yeah. who passed away. You know, they're still using that's that stuff's cool. Yeah. You guys ever get in like super old stuff? Oh, it's yeah. kind of cool to see. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You guys started as a surveying company, right? Uh, it was kind of a water measuring. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, they they had figured out, had some water measuring devices. And then, you know, it, it, they were kind of doing that, and that was way back in the early 1900s. And then, like, in the 40s, you know, uh, one of our founders was out, you know, blacktail hunting in the coast, and it was raining and everything. And, you know, he pulls up to shoot at a blacktail, and his scope fogs up, and he's just like, what the heck, you know? Not and, enough of that. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> I, can, I can make something better than this. And then off he went and started, you know, tinkering. And, How bad And loophole, you know, rifle scopes were born. So That's so cool. Yeah, it's really awesome. And it was all, all out of just necessity as a, yep. as a consumer, you know, like, yeah. hey, you know, this needs to work. And so, it, yeah. You know, if it does, if it needs to work for me, it needs to work for everybody else that's too, right. and, and that's kind of where it's that it one little came. thing though that gets yeah. scope fogged up. Yeah, I think I can make this better. And the lifetime, the lifetime warranty was born at the same time, and that's what we call a square deal. And it's like, look, you know, if I expect this, then everybody else should expect it as well. And so, awesome. therefore, it's pretty know, amazing. We're going to make it right, and we'll the we'll early nineteen hundreds. Yeah, and in the forties, we started doing the the rifle scopes and. You know, and that was so, where yeah. it took off. Yeah, it kind of took off from there. How incredible! Yeah, it's uh, it's hard to imagine when you think. How about many hunting it. companies have been around that long? I mean, there may be more mm-hmm. than I, I know some, of. Some maybe some gun companies that gun from, companies, from, right? From, but from a brand standpoint, that have been around that long, but not very well, like many. optics yeah. or anything else. Mm-hmm. Like what? No. What else is nothing? Nothing. It's incredible. There were other brands, you know, that meant something way back in those days, and those brands have kind of come and gone. Yeah, so it's. Uh, it's uh it's pretty unique, you know, and it's what makes us kind of who we are and and you know like I said, you know, 700 people in that factory. We've got some people that have been there for 40 years plus, you know. Yeah. It's, uh, That's all. It's, you got people it's retiring crazy. from there. Oh yeah, for sure, you know, just lifers and uh you know, it's a it's a passion, you know, and they're not all hunters and shooters and stuff like that. Some guys are just shooters, some are just hunters and and you know, some guys and gals are don't do either one, but they still have a passion for just right. making a great product and yeah. you know, working for a great company. For sure. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. awesome, man. Yeah, you don't see that much anymore these days. Yeah. It's pretty rare. Yep. You guys have a great culture. Yeah, it's great. We have great. Uh, we have great leadership, and and uh, with that comes great culture. And you're right. I think that's that's why so many people are so passionate about the brand, and so much, so much fans. I talk about we're all consumers, you know, because yeah. you know we can walk around the whole building and say, hey, what do you guys think about this or that or the other thing? And, and they're all like, oh yeah, that's cool. And you know, from yeah. from just a consumer perspective, you must have like an in-house testing facility yeah, a little sure. bit. Yeah, How, what. Like, how's that work with Beaverton? Is Beaverton like the Republican part of Portland? <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know. It's probably, <laughs> I it's, don't know. It's probably Play more it smooth. It's nice. Pro- yeah, I would say it's probably more Republican than uh, you know than true downtown uh, for yeah. sure. You know, but uh, downtown's when, probably the only. Yeah, when we we yeah. we I, we the brand moved into that facility, that area where we have the property that we have in the '60s, and so when that when oh that, really yeah when that happened, you know that was like an unincorporated part of 
the Portland area. I mean, it was so still farm country. Yeah, it was out there. Yeah. yeah. It's not in Portland. No, no. It's out a ways. Yeah, but. yeah, that's just west of Portland. So, um, so obviously, you know, the, everything has grown and, you know, it kind of runs together now. But um, yeah. you, don't, you still don't have to go very far west of, of where we are. It's kind of a, now it's probably considered a suburb of Portland. Oh, it much, is. Right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. You guys are right next to Nike. Yeah. Which yeah, is kind of right wild. Yeah. I heard Nike is like a really great place to work, too, though. Like I heard everyone like kind of likes Nike is like, well, maybe not anymore, but maybe it was. <laughs> yeah. I think, I don't know. I think it's a good place. Uh, I've, I've never worked there. I was, I used to, I you used probably to know work. a lot of people from being from that area that have worked there. <laughs> I, I used to work for Adidas. So I probably, Oh, you did you know, really? About Adidas. Yeah. <laughs> Thank, dude, how many Adidas <laughs> track suits do you have right now? <laughs> yeah. I don't Wait, yeah. You have it, any? Yeah. No, no. Come on. No. You work for Adidas. I, you don't have track suits. I don't have track suits, but I have plenty of other stuff from there. Still. Isn't it Adidas? Yeah. If you're Adidas. In, yeah, if you're in Europe, it's Adidas. Dude, fuck everyone yeah. from Europe, man. Because <laughs> the, the founder's name I'm was kidding. Adi Dossler, so that's where the Adi Dossler Oh, it's yeah. real, though. Yeah. Maybe sure. Europe's got it right. Hey, I'm yeah. sorry about all that. Don't you, you remember Chase's yeah. whole spiel about this? Yeah, because yeah. he always wears the shoes. Yep. Yeah. 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 Come on. So. It's Adidas. But it's a kind of a melting pot for, you know, athletic uh, you know, kind of footwear and apparel companies. Columbia's out there. Under Armour's got a place out there. I oh, can really? say this right now. I'd rather be making binoculars yeah. than tying yeah. tennis shoes all day. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. Interesting. I didn't yeah. know all that. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on out there? That and knives. Lots of knife companies out there. How many there. granola factories are in Portland? Mm, I don't know if there's very many. I don't know if there's any, to be honest with <laughs> they're you. They're all in Denver. <laughs> That's all in California. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Sacramento or whatever. California's yeah. almonds. Wherever yeah. granola's formed. It's kind of a mecca for that and for, for knives. Leatherman's out there, but Benchmade's out there, CRKT's out Damn. there. Damn. Um, you know, a number of others are out there as well. So, you know, like anything else, when you get enough people enough professionals in that industry or whatever that yeah. it just kind of just continues to kind of propagate it's a yeah. hot spot for it's an outdoor industry nashville well it's close to you know it's west coast so it's close to offshore sources yeah. as mm-hmm. well so yeah, yeah yeah we gotta take a field trip yeah we gotta go yeah. we have so much fun out there yeah doug's gotta stay home because he couldn't make the podcast conveniently <laughs> todd you want to go to uh i'm in beaverton <laughs> <laughs> when are we going you don't have to grow a mustache or anything all right good yeah, yeah. michael's it, taking it, it, a field trip to the midwest this fall I am. yeah that's a great transition yeah, first of all i appreciate all the loophole info yeah absolutely. i think our listeners do as well um it's always good to cover that stuff our, we got to make it out there i'd have a field day dude eric we'd all shit ourselves i've yeah. been there and i did shit myself so yeah <laughs> that'd be a fun trip it's a great time yeah i mean if people i would encourage people if they have other questions you know whether it's product related or whatever reach out to you guys you can always get answers from from me or the yep. you know the crew back at loophole so yeah, for sure be happy to help answer some of those questions we will help you out yeah we promise yeah it's i know a, you're following yeah <laughs> yeah it's not as intimidating as it seems and uh yeah if we can't help you we, we know a guy we will get you the answers yeah, yeah. there you go so yeah. yeah appreciate all the listeners supporting loophole through us and yeah, yeah. it's a big deal it yeah. is yeah it's been fun fun work, working with you guys and you know it's always a good time to share like pers- you know like like adventures and stuff like that yeah absolutely we do got to do a hunting camp Oh, for, yeah. We have to. You know how much fun we'd have? Yeah. Just ripping Doug the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> Doug's not invited because he didn't make it here. Dude, yeah. I hope Doug and this girl make it out okay because mm-hmm. if they don't, it's going to be tough. Not the breakup, but us giving him shit about the breakup. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he won't survive. I mean, That's what we need to do at the end of this podcast. We're going to send him a text mail and be like, hey, Michael invited us on a hunt, but you weren't here. Yeah. Sorry. Everyone that showed up is going on a hunt, but but you. Todd's going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. 
Sorry yeah, about you. Like I said, I'm in. Sit in. Yeah. <laughs> Do I got to say it again? I'm in. <laughs> number, yeah, number one substitute. Hey, Doug, you're cut off. You're, you're done, cut son. You're, you're, done. Done, you're son. fucking done. <laughs> Chappelle show comes in again. Yeah. <laughs> let's talk, uh, well, yeah, let's talk Midwestern hunting, Michael. Yeah. Mm. This is a great transition and a very fun one for me. Oh, big time. As a you. spectator, you know? Mm. Hopeful. Uh, hopeful for me, too. How'd this come about? A boot? If you're from Molson, Canada. Yeah. I think it came about from listening to you guys' podcast and, you know, Austin doing it is kind of like, shh. You know, I got a little thing going on. Keep it on the down here. low. Yeah, you know, Keep it on I, the inside. Yeah. The so, shh outfitting.com. Yeah. I made, yeah. <laughs> I, I made a mental note when I heard that, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm always looking guy. for, yeah, always looking for, uh, you know, kind of a new adventure every year. And, and uh, last year it took my son. Uh, to to Idaho for mule deer and that was a cool backcountry uh, hunt and we had a great time and it was like yeah super memorable and stuff and so I'm like okay what about this year you know what what would be cool and obviously I haven't shot whitetails for a while I mean it's been geez I think the last whitetail I shot was back in the 80s so that you're really, bringing back the roots <laughs> that, that predates all of you guys oh. <laughs> you know, pretty much but uh, so anyway yeah you know Austin kind of made the big mistake of you know saying that on air and i'm like hmm so i sent a message to austin and said hey what about and he's like oh, yeah let's work it out so we're coming back in early november he's gonna be here prime time prime time it's gonna be fun yep. um uh, when you're It'll looking awesome you're looking for big animals on a seven day hunt you know it's it's tough with any equipment and when you're doing it with a boat it's even yeah. tougher but you guys are going to be on some farms where if you want to get it done in seven days, you're going to be in the best spots that you can be yeah. in. So, Especially that time of year. Yeah, we're going to have some big deer. Uh, like I said, it's going to be prime time. It's going to be fun. We're yeah. going to have some fun. And yeah. your your boy's going to get to see some shit that he's probably never seen before. Yeah, he's looking forward to it. I mean, you know, he hasn't uh, he hasn't whitetail hunted. Um, you know, he's just done the blacktail. And, uh, ever. Uh, never, ever whitetail no, hunted. No. And he's coming to Illinois for his first whitetail yeah. hunt. You're yeah. hitting it. Yeah. He's hunting... To put it in perspective, pick the best elk spot you could go to during the prime time. Mm. That's where he's going for whitetail. Mm. You know? It says an Illinois person, right, as opposed to a Wisconsin person. <laughs> Dude, I, don't Illinois, build it up. <laughs> I don't want to build it up too much in case we get some warm weather or something. Michigan but, yeah. is actually probably the best whitetail spot you he could go to. He gets the town, it's 110. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> hey, I, I've seen it first week in November, highs in the 70s. Oh, I yeah. mean, it, it can yeah. slow down. Yeah, but, but if you get that high-pressure clear day, day yeah. you're fine. Yeah, it... Yeah. Mm. typically you're not going to pick looking at it like from afar you can't pick a better week than when you guys are going to be here i mean you're hitting the nail on the head you're always the bitch to the weather right no matter what and yeah you guys have hunted you yeah but certainly for us but i don't want to talk illinois up too much but like michigan you probably book a michigan hunt or like a delaware hunt and we tried to book a new hampshire hunt but they were all booked up so you can't get in illinois leases are going like 40 grand for every 20 acres probably right now so it's tough tough market tough real tough so um price of that hunt's going up yeah it's going up so uh so you're gonna have to just book through an outfitter if you're gonna hunt you know so awesome is your your cheapest and i'm getting up there on 15 grand for a five-day hunt yeah tough real tough hunt that's a deal it's getting steep and that's a five acre parcel yeah you get your five acres and don't look outside of that yes you guys on the ground blind yeah yeah yeah, it's tough you know uh suck our dicks Uh, go to another state will you and do what I was doing and just make it impossible to draw the tag. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you bought property here? Suck yeah, it. Yeah, see you in 10 years. 
<laughs> How's the taxes doing, bitch? <laughs> Isn't that what you're kind of doing in Iowa, though? You kind of you can't get a tag there, so you just I, bought property there. I, well, I'm literally. I thought, man, for sure, I've got four points. Like, I'll buy a farm. I'll draw on four points, no doubt. Yeah, I didn't draw. Oh my gosh, I drew yeah. this year though. Oh, you. He's a resident. He draws every year. Every year. Wait a second. (laughs) Yeah. It's tough out here, man. So, the eventual goal, yeah, is to do what Eric's doing and just become a resident and draw that tag or two or three tags every year. Yeah. That's why you just have buddies buy farms in Iowa that can't hunt it. Yeah. And you're like, hey, Hey. I mean, you might need some deer shot on there. Strong guy. Strong armed. Somebody's going to manage it for him, you know. So, after you sit the $20,000 deposit for the five acre parcel that you're going to hunt in Illinois, and you still got another 20 grand to pay when you arrive. so yeah. it's tough out here, but once you get here, yeah, we had to invest in you know bring our own tree stands, bring our own you know, everything. Yeah. Make you guys do the work. It yeah. means that much more when you shoot yeah. one. If you guys do the work, he had to go back part time at, at Adidas yeah. to, to, <laughs> to get a bonus to pay for his hunt. Hey, there's, a, there's a trophy fee too. Yeah, that was in the fine print. I don't know if you uh, read that. We we'll go not. by the inches. If it's over eighty inches, there's a five thousand dollar trophy. Uh, <laughs> <over 80. laughs> you got to tip your guide too. Huh? That's another ten grand. Yeah, twenty percent. Uh, I think I'll have to sell my tag to help pay for my son's tag <laughs> yeah, yeah. so so no but we're i'm i'm really looking forward to that that's it's going to be awesome it's going to be a great new experience I and mean, you know i i preach this anybody that knows me I pre, you know i preach adventure all the time mm-hmm. you know and no matter how old you are you can't ever forget about looking for adventure and um you know that's kind of the way i describe it to to, to cole my son i'm like look you know what's our next adventure what are we going to do what's something different it doesn't have to be the most physical thing or anything yeah. like that it's just be something different that has a challenge and so yeah you know he hasn't uh he hasn't bow hunted before he's he's been shooting his bow for a while and everything but and he certainly hasn't hunt from a tree stand before although last last fall he was trying to hunt blacktails from a tree stand in, at our place but uh but anyway, we're really looking forward to it, and I can't wait to. to get I'm looking back, forward you know? to it as well. Yeah, we're gonna yeah. have a good time, yeah. And and just the whole camp vibe. I yeah. mean, I'm gonna have I think three different parties in town around the same time you guys are getting in. There's gonna be one party here when you get in, and then another party coming in when you leave. So you're gonna get to meet oh. a lot of good guys. Cool. And uh, you know, we're gonna obviously all of us are gonna be hanging out oh, while yeah. he's back. Oh, so. Yeah. yeah. Dude, it's, I was telling them just the camp atmosphere that you provide. Yep. The the Lord's man cave mm. is pretty incredible. You're right? gonna shit yourself. Yeah, you've seen pictures. It's and, it's and an instant <laughs> motivator for your hunt. Like yeah. you get there you, and you look at all of them, and it's like not every anything. And you know, like we just talked, yeah. not everything is a guarantee, but it's a possibility. This yeah. it shows you, you know? what the area can produce, and there we have some good whitetails. Yeah, no. yeah. If there's yeah. also about one hundred inch deer, hundred inch whitetails in the wall. You'd be like, okay, cool. Yeah, when you I think, see what you got, and you're like, okay, very cool. Like, and if you're yeah. fun. if you're lucky, we'll take you down the road to see Ross's place, <laughs> the big <Yeah>. boys, <laughs> yeah, Ooh, the three super giants, you Slumping know, up, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, club two hundred, right? yeah, club yeah. two hundred, yeah. yeah, you get to see it all, man. Yeah, we'll so. come down, drink plenty of beer. You're gonna have a riot. Yeah, it'll be a blast. I'm, yeah, we're really looking forward to it, and not that I want to wish the days away, but a uh, lot's gonna happen between now and then, yeah. hopefully. Yeah. But. Uh, Hopefully yeah. a lot of other tags are filled by then, so we'll have some more things to talk about. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, it's definitely going to be one for, for the memory books. For oh, sure. dude, you're going to have so much fun. Yeah. It's just a different vibe. Yeah. You know? Tracy have you hunted the Midwest before? Well, I grew up in Wisconsin, so mm-hmm. I hunted there. But, you know, that was the last time I really hunted anything whitetail was back in the 80s. You yeah. know, so it's been, it's been a long time. And, you know, the story... 
I mean, this is a crazy story, but, you know, back in, I think the whitetail I shot with a bow was in mid eighties. And so, you know, at that time, my that was dad, the last time you shot a whitetail with a, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no yeah. shit. And you and, guys weren't even alive yet. Yeah. No, no yeah. I wasn't. <laughs> no. Yeah. So we won't talk about the, 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 all that stuff, but my, <laughs> my, uh, dude, my, that's so awesome. Though. I remember my dad, he, he said, Oh, you know, I want to try bow hunting and he got a recurve and he was kind of playing around with recurve and stuff. And like typical, you know, he misses a couple of deer, you know, like that kind of thing. And then he goes out and he buys a compound bow, you know, and this is like the first time I'd ever seen one. And, you know, the, the the rest on it was just a little plastic tab that yeah, stuck up yeah, on the side, yeah. right? No sights, nothing, no pins or anything like that on there. Well, I shoot left-handed. He shoots right-handed. So this is a right-handed bow. I'm like, hmm, I can bow. I hunt. can do this. Yeah. So what did I do? I'm shooting this this right-handed bow left-handed. I'm laying it I'm laying it horizontal like a crossbow. Oh shit. And I'm shit. pulling back and I'm just shooting like that. That's how I'm shooting this thing, right? Are you kidding? No. And so I go out and I walk up this ridge road and I go across this field, you know, and I it's just like early early morning and I just get over the top of the crest of this field on the edge of the of the timber where the timber's starting and I can hear, you know, something moving through the leaves right trotting along and i hear that little i'm like oh there's buck he's coming he's on a you know he's 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 on a a thread you know he's smelling something yeah and all of a sudden so i'm just standing there in the open you know at the edge of this field i'm just kind of standing there and i I can hear him coming hear him coming all of a sudden i see this nose and these antlers come up through the brush and he's right there broadside like 15 yards Mm. and i just like pull back my own cross sideways bow and just let her fly and nail him. And he runs up into the into the field, maybe 20 yards at the most. And it's really tall grass, so I really can't see. And, and I can't see him anymore. And I'm like, what, what happened? You know, I, I don't know what <laughs> happened. I'm just like, uh, you know, so I'm thinking, and, you know, you do, you put another arrow in there and then you do the creep. You know, you're just taking a half a step at a time. And you're trying to be as quiet as you can. And it took me half hour to go 10 yards probably. And I get up there and I look and... All of a sudden, I see blood sprayed all over, and he's laying there dead. Are you kidding? I, I shoot crossbow style. style. Yeah, it's That's crazy. Gang, you did no. it gangster style. Yeah, yeah. you did. Sideways. You did it Portland style. Uh, dude. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Like they so, did in Chaz. That's, that was the craziest thing. I was just like, I cannot believe this. That just That's badass. Awesome. Do you remember what the bow was, what model it was? Gosh, I don't even remember. Was it like a bear? You know, I don't even know. I, I when we were back there this fall or this last um, spring, actually, my my mom just turned eighty, and we went back, and I was at my younger brother's place, and he said he had the bow there, and I was looking for it because I was curious. You need to get that, yeah. And I couldn't, I couldn't find it at the time, but I, you know, I have to get and try to look a little harder. And that's awesome. That's it. an awesome story. Yeah. <laughs> wow. But I was just like, this is nuts, you know. And we were shooting just these game getter, full aluminum, yeah. spot oh, yeah. arrows with these big giant broadheads on it. I have no Thunder idea. Thunderheads, probably. They're probably like 150 grain heads on there, for all I know. <laughs> you know, with with actual, you know, feather, you know, fletchings, fletchings. and yeah, stuff yeah. like that and it was yeah it was crazy i'm sure the arrows were way too long how old were you at the time 
Well, not to, you don't got to put an age on yourself. I you was but... probably t- mid twenties. Yeah, that's yeah. badass. Yeah, shooting like a crossbow. Yeah, I, <laughs> hey, that's all you had. That's your resource. That's right? Awesome, like, man. I didn't know any different. You know, I just like you know, unfortunately, I was like a lot of people. Oh, I can bow hunt. I'll just go buy a bow. You know, and they think yeah. it's that simple, and it's not. But it's uh, not. But you did it. Yeah, but I got lucky, and it was just a little ding. Ignorance is bliss, kind of to a know? point, right? Yeah. Like but, you just go out and do yeah. it. This works for me. Yeah, but you know, every time I look at that rack, I'm like. Oh, yeah. How big a buck was it? It was just like a small seven point. It was probably a three and a half year old at the most. He's badass. You still got him? Yeah. But I still have the I still have the rack, yeah. That's awesome. What, you, what kind of mount do you a euro? I just, or? No, I just a skull, skull cap, cap on a piece of barn wood, you know, with some t- tanned hide, you know, over the skull cap. Yeah, yeah. Memorable yeah. hunt, man. Yeah, That's cool. Classic. For sure. So every time I look Super at it, cool. I never forget it, right? You know, just like anything else, you look at all your stuff here and you're like, I remember that hunt, I remember that hunt, I remember that one, you know? Yeah, and yeah. You just remember everything like it happened yesterday. And that's, that's badass. The, you know, that's the beauty of it all, right? So That's a great story. Yeah. That's a really good, that's like true hunting heritage bow hunting story. Yeah. And you know what, <laughs> the other <laughs> funny part is, you know, whitetails, you know, you guys all drag everything out whole, right? And so, you know, us Westies, we got to cut everything up in pieces. And stuff. <laughs> so, so I dragged this thing all the way back down to the truck. Who knows how far it was? It was probably a little under a mile. I don't know. But but I, I, I say truck. I didn't have a truck. At that time, when I was driving a freaking Ford Escort, Not hatchback, <laughs> flip up the hatchback, got a tarp down in, in the there. back. I just toss it in the back and slam the hatchback down and drive into town. You the know? GT That's model. Yes. You did say you were in Wisconsin, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah put it yeah. on top of the hatch yeah. all the day. Yeah. Went to every bar along the way to show off his exactly. trophy. Yeah, but you passed 40 of them on yeah. your way out of there. Stopped he at went, the bar on Main Street, flipped the hatchback open, walked in there and sat there and you know, had a few years for a while. He only drove five miles. Yeah, drove five miles, let it air out a little bit like in there drinking a yeah whatever you're drinking Drove five miles and past 40 bars yeah <laughs> that's a great story that yeah, was funny it was a funny time so well i hope you get to relive this story yeah. whitetail style and we'll put it back in the suzuki x90 or whatever the we fuck. can do that uh, i know they'll fit in there i've done it yeah that's what we got hey, we gotta take the t-tops out we will yeah hey we can do that <laughs> that's funny relive it with your with your boy Here, you can, you can tap that off there you need some clamato yeah yeah. Anyway, yeah. Hopefully, there'll be more <laughs> funny stories like that. You know, that come along. I, you know, I can think of some other ones probably, but, but that one was kind of the goofiest one. I'd certainly for you want sure. Want it all the way up, or what do you want? Yeah, just take it to the top. Dude, this stuff is good. But giving you some practice. So. So what all are you hunting out in Oregon this year? So um, I, we live on the west part, so we have the coast range, and the coast range is basically um, over the counter for, uh, for for Roosevelt elk. Um, so I'll do archery Roosevelt elk, uh, like I always do. And it lasts, it's basically the month of September, you know? And then, um, and then after that, you got the choice of whether you want to go, um, uh, rifle blacktail over the counter on the, on the coast range, or if you want to hunt muleys, you know, you go further East and then those are draw tags. So this year I'll be doing, um, Eastern Oregon muley, um, along with the archery elk. And um, we'll see how that goes. The Roosevelt's awesome. got me interested. Yeah. Like, real cool. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Different vibe than, right? It's a little different than the Rocky Mountain elk. Yeah, bigger see. body, uh, smaller antlers, just thick, you know, just yeah. thick, eight to a thousand, 800 to a thousand pounds. I mean, a thousand just, pounds. Just, wow. just big, big. And, you know, where I, I live out on the edge, you know, of the coast range and, 
And there's kind of a resident herd that floats around there, you know, circles through there, about 200 strong. And there's some, there's some nice, nice, you know, big bulls that yeah. are part of that. And so, you know, I've been, I'm, we've been on our place uh, for, this will be the fourth year right now. And so we've done some things to try to make the habitat better. And yeah. I was showing, Kurt, I was showing mm-hmm. you earlier, I could show you guys too, but um, some nice videos of some really nice rosies bachelor group just kind of cruising through there, which is fun. And they're awesome. They're man. probably just taunting me, you know, they probably won't <laughs> be there. They'll probably move down into the, into the fields, you know, but by the time the, the archery season starts, but boy, if they stick around for just a few days, I won't be disappointed. You're pretty you know? cool, man. We'll see. What, what's like a big rosy? Well, I'd say a big rosy is probably anything like, you know, 280 to certainly to 320 that gets really really big i mean yeah. there's, there's some that go you know much bigger but but i'd say on the average a, a big mature one is going to be in the in the 280 to, to 320 range it's a lot of antler man 20 is probably a lot but yeah. you know you were just, showing me like the crown at the end how yeah. they crown out a lot of is that common for a rosie to crown out more than like a mount, rocky mountain yeah 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 i don't i don't you know, I'm not an expert on Rockies, but I don't know of any Rockies that crown out at the because it's Roosevelt, Rocky, uh, Rocky, and Tule, Tule, Tule. Yeah, those where's are, the Tules live? Northern California. Oh, and though the they're the smallest, you know, species, uh, whatever species, subspecies. They're proud. It's hard to grow big racks when you eat granola. <laughs> yeah. Growing up on granola, yeah, 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 yeah and so, liberalism, whatever. That. <laughs> yeah, but uh, they're voting Democrat out there. Sorry, but, yeah, the Rosies pretty much hang out on the on the coast range. And I love how Michael just moves through my fucking. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, but the Rosies are cool. I mean, it's 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 not easy. Certainly not easy. I mean, it's a rainforest. It's dense. Yeah, and, you know. I mean, they can be, you know, within a hundred yards of you. Sometimes within fifty yards or less, and you still can't see them. You know, it's just so that dense thick, with, yeah. with the reprod, and you know, there's ferns that are four or five feet tall, and just all this stuff. But um, yeah, the last episode we did, we talked about your. Your elk, yeah, your elk hunt and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. last year I didn't get one. Two years ago I got one. Yeah, and, uh, I just yeah I was kneeling down in the ferns and kind of saw them coming and with a small group and I just kind of got down and hunkered down behind those ferns and they just kept passing by me and and uh, I think the rest of them came by just above me at less than twenty yards and then yeah. this bull came in about seventeen eighteen yards and yeah I just thumped him and he just kind of stood there he didn't know what happened he just stood there stood there stood there and then he laid down and then that was it he was done so awesome man picture perfect the ferns that's like the best like the ferns it's like we know what a fern looked like man yeah Yeah. (laughs) you know you imagine having a forest full of ferns is there a lot of them they oh yeah yeah the more mature the bigger the growth you know the more the undergrowth is just these giant sword ferns really Uh, yeah and they're just like i said three four five feet you know, tall. I mean, seriously, big ass leaves, huge, like yeah. Jurassic Park. I mean, I was kneeling in there, and I just kind of bent over a little bit, and then drew back my bow, and then just came up. On oh, it's my, perfect for yeah, that. Yeah, it'd up, be nice for yep. putting a stock on. Oh, so. that'd be fun, yeah, wouldn't right. it? Came up on my knees and just right there, and it had no idea I was there. And just can you imagine over. in the Midwest instead of like some of this like um, hunt invasive uh, trying to wade suckle. through multi-floor multi-floor rows? We had ferns. It'd be way better, wouldn't it? Way better. Or would yeah. it be better? Well, you wouldn't be able to see the deer, but because they're so tall. Yeah. What would be better? Would we trade that out? I'd trade it out. I hate multi floor. Oh, I trade out in heartbeat. I would imagine that you can't walk through that shit. That's what. Can you walk through ferns if you have to? Oh yeah, just walk right through them. The only thing you have to deal with is just the pollen, the dust that comes up. Oh really? It's just that. I mean, it's nothing. It's not. We we have some of that rose out there here and there that's kind of starting to show up a little bit more. 
That stuff's nasty. Get yeah, rid of it. Uh, hey, thorns and everything. Control it because once it takes off, you don't get it under control. Yeah. What um, what's some of the stuff that you guys like? What's invasive out there in Oregon? Like the ours would be multiflora. Because where's that from? Do we know? Do you guys know? Todd Austin. I don't know where it originated. Because you can't. I like, think it's Illinois and Iowa is where it originated. Well, oh, I think the honeysuckle is way worse than anything right now, as far as invasives in Illinois. But I thought it was invasive. If it's invasive, where's it from? It's from Asia. Oh, fucking Asia. <laughs> well, and it's, it's an ornamental, you know, so people put it in their front yards, and next thing you know, Pollinate. the farm across the street. That's got, how it started, probably, you know, huh? No doubt about it. That's what's going to happen this miscanthus grass. It's harmless. Like, you know, there's fucking 12 foot miscanthus. You can't see anything. It's just a jungle. <laughs> Dude, uh, hey, uh, nature finds a way. That's right. Jurassic Park, Joe Humphreys once said, nature finds a way. But I think, we don't, you know, it's interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I think if you get closer to, like, the suburbs and stuff, that English ivy <clears throat> is, I, is all over. It's just ivy that grows up, like, ground cover and stuff like that. And, yeah. and it starts in the cities. People put it in their yard and everything, and then it just starts to spread. So um, <clears throat> in, 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 like, in the more, you know, populated areas, there's a lot of that, and it's starting to grow around trees and just goes yeah, around yeah. and it can kind of choke out trees. But <clears throat> I'd say out, out in the coast range – Invasive wise, <clears throat> I think the only, the worst thing that we have is probably just massive amounts of blackberries, you know. Oh, really? <laughs> just because, you know, there's, it, they're great because you can eat them and everything like yeah. that, but yet they, they're dense. And so, you know, you got to kind of beat them down. Or, you know, if the, if they log off something and the blackberries pop up, a lot of times they'll spray for them so they don't kind of consume the clear cut. But, yeah. Um, but eventually over time, even if they do over time, as those fir trees get big enough, they'll, they'll choke them out. They'll take all the light from them and then they'll die out, you know. So, yeah. It kind of nature kind of takes care of it on its own, you know, in that way. But, but there is some of that kind of rose thorn that we call it. Yeah, a lot of this kind of transfers into, and I don't know, Austin, if we want to talk about it on this podcast, I think we probably should, right? We're, yeah, we can touch on it. We got time. We're here. Yeah. Um, people have been asking for us to elaborate on farms, because, uh, and I think it's a great conversation for most people. And um, I know Eric, you're going to do some management stuff, and you're thinking about maybe farm stuff a little bit too. Yep. Recently, um, you and I both do your thing, man. Free reign. But uh, you and I just purchased a couple farms. Yep. Well, I purchased a farm. You purchased a farm. It's a crazy time to be buying farms. The market was pretty wild this spring. Little, little weird, but um, as some of the financial guys must say, it's not going to get cheaper. No. Interest rates might might change, but it's not going to get cheaper. Right. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a crazy market. There wasn't a lot on the market, and you and I were both kind of looking around. Well, uh, you want me to start with this? I think like the lead in. Sure. Because uh, we were on the way to the Indianapolis show, which is badass. Great show. Yep. We'll be back there this year. I think Novix is going to join us. Yep. Big town. Jo- Todd, you need to make it out to that show. Once again, I'm in. Come hang out. <laughs> Twist Just my come arm. With us. Just come with hey, us. Hey, you know what? Doug's out. You're in. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag fuck Doug. Hey, we as, fired as Doug long tonight. As, so. uh, as long as Clint Casper shows up in his grandma's Suzuki or whatever he was driving. <laughs> Subaru. Subaru Forester. Subaru, yeah. He'll be there. And we get some White Castles. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. At ATA, we got White Castles at like 2 in the morning. 
Shout out to White Castle. Sponsor us. Shit happens. Um, I take a White Castle sponsor. You know, I'd rather have a Waffle House sponsor. I just saw a video of an employee at Waffle House fighting some customer, and that's what I'm about, you know? I mean, if they sponsor (laughs) us, it's kind of hard because we don't have either of them around here. (laughs) (laughs) We don't have either of them. We'll be working on Casey's. Good point. (laughs) Casey's hasn't woke up to the memo. Hey, everyone everyone around us, go get White Castle 400 miles away. Or Waffle House. Shout out to them waffles. Um... Lost my train of thought. We're on our way to Indianapolis, and we're bullshitting. You know, like you, you have a lot of farm uh, buying, flipping, management, selling experience. You know, I, from my perspective, you do. And we were on our way to the Indianapolis show, and we were kind of just talking a little bit about money, a little bit about farms, and um, you kind of it was an eye opening experience. And I honestly owe a lot to you because of this kind of, it didn't seem so meaningful at the time because I didn't know, but I did retain a lot of the information. You know, you talked about, you know, Kurt with your budget, if you find a farm that can make money, you can do this, you know? Yeah. It's a realistic, uh, people can realistically do this. It's, it's intimidating because it's a large amount of money that you're talking about. But like I told you, if you find a farm that can help or almost make the payment for you, yeah, I mean, you almost can't lose with it. Right. So, And that's why, like, so many people are scared because, like, you're used to this because you grew up in the farming yeah, background. Yeah, I've, I've had a taste of it. I mean, I've been doing it for years, but it, it, it is intimidating. Like, mm-hmm. my first time buying a farm, I was scared shitless. Like, how am I going to afford a half a million dollar farm? You know, I can't afford to buy groceries. Yeah. But when you start breaking it down on, you know, your annual or monthly payment, however it's laid out, and what the farm actually makes for income, it's like, okay, that's not as scary because, you know, you have to figure a lease in. Nowadays you do. If you're going to hunt in Illinois, you got to say, well, I got to pay two or $3,000 a year for a lease. And that is almost unrealistic now. You're paying five minimum. Right, yeah. So you put that down. You're like, okay, so if I'm paying that anyways, I might as well build equity in myself and buy a farm. Yep. And then, you know, 20 years, 30 years down the road, whenever you pay it off, it's like, okay. That, you know, it makes sense. Talked about a little bit about like a farm that can make income because that's something that like, you always hear about it, but you don't understand it. And that's something you, this is like the big thing that you open my eyes to. Cause it's like, okay, if, if, if your house made income, everybody would live in million dollar houses. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, oh, your house is in this program and it'll make its own payment. It's like, well, fuck everybody live in the craziest house they could yep. and out of pocket pay X amount a year because the program their house was in that made themselves the house money, it would do its own thing. Yeah. Well, and and you saying that too. A lot of people think when they're buying a farm, they got to buy something with tillable on it to make money on it. Not always right. true. Not always. You know, true. a lot. Yeah. Not a lot of people know about it. Could be in a CRP program or some program by the state also. Or dude, there's so many variations of programs yeah. by state, like thousands of different yeah, there's, variations. There's a lot of ways to make money on a farm. I mean, tillable's a good one, and. I'm a farmer, so I can kind of double dip on this. I get to make the money myself. But if you're not a farmer, you know, you're going to cash rent the the tillable acres out to a farmer. Um, So tillable, you have row crop or hay ground or pasture or whatever. You can rent those acres out. And then, like you said, you have CRP uh, options. And there's, I mean, there's tree programs, there's pollinator programs, there's waterways, there's feathering of edges. I mean, the, the government will pay you to put your acres in set aside acres for wildlife Mm -hmm. so there's a bunch of crp options uh logging a property if you have a property that has a lot of timber value on it you can consider that and it 
if you do it the right way, it can actually improve your hunting. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do that. You can consider leasing out the property for hunting and hunt it with friends or people that you know that want a property to hunt and sell, sell a couple weeks of the yeah that's yeah. A, that's honestly how i got started outfitting was i'm like okay i i cannot afford this 160 acre farm but if i sell x amount of hunts on this farm and i get to hunt it with them wouldn't that be better than just not buying the farm so mm-hmm. i bought the farm i started selling good hunts, way to look at it and now i i do the outfitting thing <laughs> it's like going to a duplex you know you live in one side you ran out the other side right yeah and then you can bang the chick that lives next door if you're single that's, that's right up, doug or oh, shoot the buck <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> sorry doug's not single no that, that was inappropriate there's more than one way to skin a cat if <laughs> oh, well there that's about there it one. is <laughs> so yeah if you're if More you're in the, ways to skin a cat yeah if the if you're in the market for a farm and the biggest thing is talking with your lender and figuring out what you have to have for a down payment if you have the money for the down and the bank's comfortable with it it's really all you need if yeah. you find a property that makes its own money in in a way of whatever revenue you it definitely helps you your lender if they can say okay well this property has x amount of dollars coming in per year you know, it makes it yeah. easier to make that payment. But yeah, it's it's a very realistic goal. Um, in today's market, it's harder than it's ever been. It's just, it's competitive, ground's expensive. But, but everything's tough right now, so it comes with it. you found a piece, and I found a piece, so you can do it. I mean, you, you can't, I'm telling you guys, listen, you guys might be like, oh yeah, I don't have, mo- you think I have money from this podcast? Right. You know, like I, I'm very, uh I'm a dude who's not great with money. We're still working class. Still very working class. Still very budget conscious. Um, but what? When the few things you said to me in the drive was like, find a place that makes its own money. Look in that forty to sixty acre range that you can afford. If you have to, sell a week of hunting on it. Right. With you, like we could do that. Do what you have to do. It might not yeah. sound like the best idea at the time, but. Five years down the road, after you're starting to build some equity in it, you're like, damn, this was... And plus, ground's probably going to appreciate in five years. Oh, I mean, sure. you, you start looking at it, you're like, okay, this was a good decision. Well, so, and even if the property isn't making money, you go to your local ag office and see what kind of programs are out there. Maybe you can put that property in a program also. 100%. And it's always changing. It's always changing. You know, you never know what, you, never yeah, know what you're going to get. For sure. That's a great point, too. And uh, what's cool about this is you were you were looking way harder already than I was. Like going to this show, you were like, "I'm going to always look every agency." Yeah, and it's going to be, "Hey, I'm Austin. I'm looking for a farm. I'm you know this." I'm always looking and just you know kind of spreading the word as we went to these trade shows, letting uh, real estate agents know that I was looking, and it, it paid off. You know, I had a half a dozen agents reach out to me and be like, okay, this is... Dear Lord, I found this property. <laughs> Please let me help you. <laughs> uh, Take it, my offer. It, it's funny. In today's hey. market, where things don't sit on the internet very long, pocket, oh, fuck. pocket listings are what I like to see where the what they call pocket listings. Pocket like listings. Pocket listings. Listings that haven't even made it online yet, so nobody mm. other than the real estate agent and a couple guys know about it. Yeah. That's, yeah. in my opinion right now, where you can find a decent property are these pocket listings. Yeah. So you build up a relationship with a few real estate agents, and they're like, okay, I just found out about this property today. It's a pocket listing. It's going to be listed in three days. So you get to be the first one to go walk that farm. And I mm. I did that on a half a dozen farms this spring. That kind of kind of happened on my farm, but not really. It had just been listed 
the day that it got listed, we found out about it and I called you. I'm like, we need to go walk this. Well, no, no, it hadn't got listed quite yet. Okay. So I remember you were, I was like, yeah, I'd I'd like to, I was being weird, right? Like I was being nervous, like anybody that's going to buy their first farm would be, you know, like kind of like, I don't know what to do really. And Austin called me and he goes, dude, it's got lead from our realtor and, uh, we can talk about that, right? Like now? Yeah, I don't think there's anything that I mean, we need you, to not you, talk you bought about. it, so. Yeah, I just didn't know if we'd put anything Everything was, I mean, we did it the legal way. Everything well, was Well, yeah, my offer was straight. So yeah. uh, Chase Burns, shout out to Chase. We just did a podcast with him on working class on DeerCast about um, land management, actually, but we're going to do some about buying ground with him. Awesome guy. Great guy. Um, you were kind of on the horn with him a lot, and mm-hmm. you kind of got some leads, rough leads through him, kind of vague a little bit. Um, hey, Kurt, there's a property in your area coming up for sale. If I were you, if you think you could do it, find a lender, get your ducks in a row, see if you can make this happen. I think the way I worded it was, if you don't buy it, I'm going to look at it pretty hard. <laughs> and that's really what happened. Yeah. So mm-hmm. um, I was like, okay, well, what do I got to do? And then it's like the weird process of like calling a couple of lenders. And then they're like, okay, um, Basically, this is weird. So anybody that ever wants to buy ground that can't pay cash for it, welcome to my world. Um, you're going to get hit with this, uh, and I forget what they call it. I'm, I'm not a smart man, but I'm a, I'm a reasonable guy. It's like a, uh, <laughs> break, a down what, break down what your net worth is, you think. A balance sheet. A balance sheet. And that's fucking hard to it think is. about. It's like, what is my net worth? Well, I got a, a throat tattoo, um, so I'm in the <laughs> negatives. So let's see what I own and work our way up from here. I and, own a tractor. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I got a tractor. I got a, a lawnmower. I got a rake out there. But so That's got to be worth something. But that's right? what you have to do. It's like, what is worth value? So they can get their money back. If yeah, what do you own? What do you have loans on? Like, if shit hits the fan, what are you selling? Yeah. Shit is a fan. What are they taking from you? So yeah, it's a weird much. thing. It's like, what do we, what do you put in there? What do you don't? Like, what student loan debt do you have? What mm-hmm. car loan do you have? What do you owe? What'd you put that all that? It's weird. But you put it down and you send it back to them. And they're like, either you're a train wreck of a human being or they're like, hey, we think we can work with you or, hey, you're better. You know, they'll give you the assessment. Mm-hmm. Um, so it depends on your self-esteem. Think about that. Um, and I'm like, cool. Well, we'll see how this goes. And uh, basically, they're like, yeah, I think we could do something with you. You're not as big of a piece of shit as we thought for having hand tattoos. <laughs> and I'm like, cool. My wife's reasonable, so that's good. That's helped me out, you know? She's the so, only one saving you. Yeah, she's like <laughs> septum piercing, but still a little weird. Uh, we, we'd probably give you a farm because if, if you fuck up, we'll be all right, you know? So oh, I'm kidding around. It ended up working out all right. I was nervous. You don't know. Well, you, uh, the first steps are the hardest steps, right? Austin's Scary. already taken those first steps, so he's beyond that now. He's yeah. feeling comfortable. I mean, he's coaching me through it. Yeah, if we would have bought, if we would have bought to the uh, property at the price points that they were when we moved to Oregon in the mid '90s, I mean, we we would be ecstatic, you know? Yeah. yeah. Because, but you get up there and you think, oh, sticker shock and all the hoops that you have to jump through, the things that are just not familiar to you, right? And you're just like, oh, that's just too much to kind of. Uh, forget it. We'll just scary. Find yeah. a, you look buy. back five years or ten years or fifteen years. You're like, what would I? Yeah. Where would I be now if I would have invested yeah. back then? And that's why I'm trying to encourage all my buddies to do it now because yeah. it's to the point now where it's almost out of our grasp. I mean, ground is getting 
outrageously expensive, almost to the point where it's unattainable. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, if, if there's any way that you can get the down for this and make it cash flow, go out there and invest in ground right now. And I might be a dumbass. Maybe, maybe the bottom's going <laughs> to fall out of the land market, but it'd be the first time that it's ever happened. Ever. Like, land is a very safe investment. Yeah, so I don't see it happening I, personally. I, just, I don't know. Todd, how you feel about it? I mean, you, you're invested in ground. You know? Yeah. When we got our first farm, it was in 1997, 98, somewhere in there. And we got, uh, we got a nice piece. It was a 300 acre piece. Mm-hmm. And an 80 came up across the street and it was an auction. And uh, I think we got our ground for around 800 an acre. And then wow. across the street, we're like, you know, we'd really like to add this 80. We'll go $1,000 an acre. Oh, no, like no spending way. big. Yeah, like, well, back in the day, though. There's no way anybody's going to pay $1,000. They would be insane. Back in the 90s, right? right? Yeah. And it went for 1200 an acre. And me and my dad left that auction going, those stupid those idiots. Asses. They're never going to get that money back. And now They're it's idiots. worth five or six. Every bit of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Every bit of that. yeah. No shit. That's yeah. a perfect example. 100%. That's, that's ask, a true story. Ask uh, Doug's parents when they bought their farm. Dude, their, I, we got to get Marv on. We got to get Marvin Ann on because he, he tells this story all the time. Like, Dude, I, it's I the most inspiring property story. Oh, it's so inspiring because, I mean... Short story, when when they bought that, like everyone told them, you guys are fucking idiots. Like, yeah. you bought this giant farm, like, you paid this much for it, you guys are freaking stupid. Yep. Like, I, I don't do the story justice, but when they tell it... Marv told me briefly, he's like, we were eating PB&Js, dude, for... Years, yeah, that's what it takes. I mean, if you really want to buy a farm, sometimes you got to cut the budget back. You know, you're you're making a five hundred dollar a month truck payment, but you can't buy a farm. Okay, what's what's smarter? That truck's going to depreciate in five years. It's Mm going to be worth a quarter what you paid for it. Right. Yeah. You buy that farm, it's going to be worth maybe double what you paid for it in two or three years. I mean, looking at what this market's doing, who knows where the top's at? So yeah, you know, look at that farm in Iowa. It just sold for twenty five grand an acre. Yep. Whoa! Jeez, twenty five. Oh, we we've got Go local. back that twelve hundred an acre. It's <laughs> yeah, right. like son of a. We've bitch. got ground within thirty minutes of the within ten minutes of this studio that have that sold for almost twenty grand an acre. I mean, rid, ridic- Michael, what do you think? Like when you hear that number from Oregon, like what's what's a I, what's top know, dollar for an acre in Oregon? Do you know? I don't even know to be honest with you. Um, I mean, we have twenty acres and. When we first bought that four years ago, I was like, what did I just do? You know, but yeah. now I wouldn't even. I, you wouldn't trade it for well, nothing. Before we even closed on it, it already appreciated in value, you know. Right. Or right. like, well. Pff, Makes you feel is, good. Yeah, money, you know, it's just great. And you could just see the the, the kind of like the, the urban sprawl just working its way that way. Yeah. And we're, we're you know, quite a ways out there. But, but you can see the effects of it right away. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. We tried to buy within, you know, 10, 15 miles of where we used to live. Mm-hmm. And if we would have started three or four years before that, we probably could have done that. But everything was already gone. You know? Isn't that it was, crazy? Yeah. It, it landed... Definitely seems like it's a safe investment, you know, and that's, you know, what's crazy about it. Like after having this, this motivational talk from you, and I don't really think you probably thought it was that impactful of a conversation, but it was one I'll, I'll honestly remember forever. Like, Well, I'm glad it really. stuck. I mean, I was trying to convince you to do it, but you convinced me and it worked. And, you know, it's when you call me like, hey, dude, there's a lead on this farm. You need to probably get your shit together because if you're not going to jump, I'm, I might jump. Well, I mean, going back to it, I mean, you're investing in yourself. Pretty yeah, much. Yeah. I mean, and, and well, I'm not putting into a 401k anymore. Exactly. And that's the way I look at <laughs> it now. Like, you know, once you said fuck 401k and then I heard Austin talk about these farms that make money and everything. It's like, 
And now I look at my 401k that I have now, and I lost freaking 15 grand this year. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like I'd rather put that. I could have had 15 grand. I could have put it's in half your farm, down payment, you know? man. Mm-hmm. Well, there's exactly a lot, there's a lot of ways to invest money, but as a hunter, you lost half your down payment on a farm. Yeah, as a hunter, I probably did too. I'm not looking out for it. And that's in that's in this year. Yeah, we're not scary. even over yet. Fuck Biden. There, that's a wild. I mean, Seven. a 401k or whatever. It's a wild card. You never know what's going to happen with right, it. Right. But I like what I. I think one of the ways I sold it to you was how many investments are you going to have where you can actually take it out and use it and play with it. It's a big right. deal. Like mm-hmm. land is pretty much, and as a hunter, it's a no brainer. Hunting's mm-hmm. my life, you know. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so you basically were like, hey, you probably should make some move. Made the moves. They're like, yep, we can do this. I think you know, and as long as you stay within this range, I'm like, okay, cool. So basically what happened was uh, I looked at the we, – we, you went with me. We looked at the piece um, before it even listed, but it was like, hey, you can't put the, – the owners really want the offer to go uh, – you can't put the offer in until it goes live, a live listing. Mm. So I'm like, oh, fuck. So I'm not going to lie. I had like a weird moment. So remember we looked at the piece, and you and Chase were talking, and then I split off on my own, and I kind of like – I went center of the property. It's a big, giant oak patch. And I went in the center of the property, and you guys did your thing, and I was by myself. I'm not kidding. I was talking to my dad. I'm like, Dad, what the fuck do I do here? Give me something. Do I do I write an offer on this? What do I do? Like, I need help. Like, I don't know what the move is here. Like, Give me a sign. Legit. Mm-hmm. I was, like, out there. I'm like, what the fuck do I do? Like, it seems right. You know, the income's fucking killer. Yeah. This piece is here. What do I do? So I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm walking around looking at things. I'm like, oh, there's a scrape. That's cool. It's a neat little piece here. There's good trails running through. It's like, you know, not, you know, it's not a big piece. It's not going to be this big mecca of a whitetail farm that you're going to get on a 160 acre piece where you're going to have a little bit of everything, you know, it's like there's some give and take on a 40 acre piece. So I'm like 40 acres makes great income. I can do this. I got to make an offer because if this goes, when's the next offer or opening is going to come that's this close, right? Makes this income. I can get there really quick yeah. from my place. I, my kids can go here. I'm a landowner. We're in the state that I live. My kids can hunt. Like, it's right here. Fucking no-brainer, right? There's a Casey's on the way there. There's a Casey's on the way. <laughs> oh, it checks all the boxes. <laughs> Everyone. Checks all the boxes. Casey's was in a box, too. Yeah, that was one of the benefits on the listing, Casey's nearby. It's probably so top I'm five, like, right? There it is, right there. That's yeah, I'm in. So yeah. <laughs> that's that's really the, the selling point, yeah. honestly. That's the... You know, that's another selling point. And if I ever sell it, it's like, hey, there's Casey's right down the road. Just Great deer and turkey property. Casey's within five miles. Yeah, it's like <laughs> frosting on the cake. I yeah. look past the deer and turkey. I saw Casey's within five miles. You know, <laughs> I can be cold and sit all morning, but I got to go get a burrito and a breakfast pizza. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, made the <laughs> offer. This is where it got weird. Maybe I'm going too far into detail, but I want people to kind of know my journey if they ever do it. Mm-hmm. We may, Sam and I, well, well, it's cool. Let me go back a little bit. I pitched this to Sam. I'm like, hey, had a, a, a talk with the Lord, Austin. Not the Lord, Lord. But uh, <laughs> I had a talk with the Lord, but I had my first talk with the Lord. The other Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Lord Chandler. So Not uh, the Lord, but Lord. The other one. Lord Chandler. I can go to him personally, you know, talk to him. So <laughs> he's not going to judge me as hard. response cause, back. Because I have a throat tattoo. He's like, hey, dude, you're cool, man. I get it. So um, <laughs> talk to Sam. She's like. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I'm like, kissed her face. I'm like, yeah, bless your heart. So, um, made the offer, you know, and they're like, uh, uh, I made the offer, first offer in, 
and I had another guy from out of state. Um, I won't say what state. It's one that I'm very fond of. Um, made a better offer. And uh, my agent couldn't really tell me what the offer was. And I'm like, fuck. So I got to make a move. Like, yeah, your offer is not the best offer, but there's another offer in. That's all I can tell you. So I talked to Sam. I'm like, fuck, what do we do? So I'm like, all right, we're going to play hardball one time. That's all I got. I got one hardball offer in me. Because of course you do, right? You got you to gotta throw the bitch offer in. But at this point, you, you put an offer in. You, you got to put another offer in. Well, you don't put it in the best you can do. Yeah, you got a little bit. Right, right. I got a little, little bit. But it's like... But you're vested at this point. You're in, right? You're a little emotionally invested. Yep. Just not, mm-hmm. You don't want to get too emotionally right. invested, you know, because then you can get in trouble. Yeah. Still got to make sense on paper. You yeah. got to make sense, right? So I'm like, all right, cool. So let me back up, think about it. Uh, call him back. I'm like, all right, do this, 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 and this. Here's my idea. And uh, there it is, man. So then I felt good. I went back. Let me say when I talked to him, like, if it doesn't work out, we did the best we could. Yeah. Like, laid it all out on it. Yeah. You know, if, if it doesn't work out, I feel good yeah. about it if it doesn't. Like, I did what I could do. Fuck them if it doesn't work. It's meant to be. It's meant to be. Right. You know, and uh, I'm doing yard work at the house and stuff and get a call back. I see Chase calling me and I'm like, Sam, get in here. Get in here. Get in here. And uh, so we go inside, run in, and I answer the phone. I'm like, hello? You know, like, oh, like, huh? <laughs> oh, like, like shaky voice. He's like, hey, Kurt. I'm like, yeah. I'm thinking he's going to be like, hey, dude, it uh, didn't work out. You know, thanks, but didn't work out. He's like, you just bought a farm. And I immediately <laughs> oh just waterworks, gosh. dude. Uh, like, <laughs> Sam and I waterworks. We're like hugging him like, holy fuck. My mom's there. She don't even know what I'm doing. She's like, what's going on? I'm like, I just bought a farm. Guess She's what, like, oh, shit. <laughs> just just like your neck tattoo. <laughs> I'll see you Friday, mom. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it was like a pretty emotional experience. And I'm like, yeah. holy shit, you know, like. Uh, it's just one of them things you never thought it'd happen. But um, the moral of the story, the reason why I jumped so hard, this property makes its own money because of a program it's in. And that's why it's possible. If it didn't make its own money, it wouldn't make any sense. Right. Um, and it's not going to make its own money forever, but it's up to me. It's got a lot of time to make money on its own, but it's up to me to take in my hands to continue that it makes money through other programs that I can work it through at the end of this decade that's still got of a program that it's in. If that makes sense, like it's in a tree program now, a CRP tree program, but it doesn't mean that I can't flex the muscles of what this farm has to offer in the future and continue to make an income off it. So, um, yeah, that's my investment. It's a beautiful farm. It's going to have some great whitetail hunting on it. Yeah. You, you literally found your dream farm within a very close distance to your house. Very close, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's you You got a good one. I'm very happy, and I'm very thankful that you gave me the pep talk. And, Appreciate uh, it. I stayed with you, Todd, on the horn and the, our crew about the whole thing. And yep, no doubt. Just crazy. It makes you think about things, man. Dude, it's it's cool. I'd say if you can do it, you know, look into it. If you have any questions, I think, uh, I you know, I'd be glad to answer what I can. I don't know a ton. I'm just learning, and Austin would probably help you guys out, but... I think anybody in our crew would be more than willing to give you guys advice if the listeners out there want to look at a farm, but um, it's more possible than you think it is. Are you told Austin? I know he's still looking, even though you already bought a farm. Like if you come across Dude, that you put one, me on the horn, let me you, know. Would you buy an Illinois farm? No, you wouldn't ever. No, even if it made its own money. No, uh, Why I think not? You're, I think you're missing out on that, buddy. You get that tag automatically. You don't have to draw for nine years. Yeah, you just get the tag. <laughs> if it's over forty acres, it's free. Yeah, you get it. Dude, I, I think I think that's you're you're cutting yourself short. Everybody's leaving Illinois. We're trying to talk Eric into coming over. Yeah, but he's not living there. That's true. 
still get all the benefits of like we'll find you a good Iowa. The farm. ground. What if an Illinois farm that paid for itself? If it paid for itself, I'd think about it. Well, I think not, what's key is that you talked about, you know, just finding out what your current, you know, kind of financial state is. Yeah. So, you know, what that what do the so called experts tell you that you can that you can work yeah. because that's the biggest unknown that a lot For of people sure. are just like, I, I don't know if I can do that, you know, and then yeah. they don't take that next step, but yeah. just go find out, you know, if you found something within this range or this range or what, you know, what could work out for you, yeah. you know, with your finances and stuff. And then all of a sudden you're like, huh, I didn't know that. You know? For sure. And yeah. then you start looking at things. You're like, well, maybe that's this the is biggest possible. step is like yeah. figuring out your finance. Cause not, not a lot of people know how to do that. Yeah. You know it's hard. I mean? It's scary yeah. too. Like it's also, um, scary because you got to come to reality of like what you're actually doing in life mm-hmm. a little bit, but easy way to break it down, break. So everybody come to themselves here. What, if you have a lease, what are you paying a year for it? Right. Or what's your lease budget? If you found a lease, would, my budget is always three to five grand a year on a lease. If I could find one, I don't always find one. I gave my lease up. If I could find a lease, that's what I'd pay. Okay. Find a farm that makes its own money. What's it make? Okay, add your lease budget to what that farm already makes. Okay, you make an annual payment, which is an option on a farm. You make one payment a year. You're not paying monthly, so it's it seems less scary. Okay, if it makes X amount a year from the program that you get paid out once a year, and then tack take on what you would have paid grand. for a lease right. on top of that. Or you okay. take the difference and say, I need to sell two hunts to make up that difference. Mm-hmm. There yep. you go. You're building equity in yourself. Sell yep. two, 3000 to whatever $1,000 hunt whatever you think the market value is on a hunt in that area, can you afford it? You know, there's a lot of ways to slice it, but that's where I would start the basic. Um, what can I do? What, what's my budget for a lease? What's the farm make? And then go from there. Mm-hmm. If you, if you're going to buy a straight timber tract of 200 acres, it better have a lot of walnut. It better have a lot of walnut. <laughs> timber value is your money maker there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if you looked at that, Michael, with yours or Todd, what you factored in some of your guys' farms. But it's I think that's where you – maybe I'm wrong, but from my experience, that's where I would start, start, you know. Yeah. Yeah, there's different things on where we are. There was some – there was a, a vineyard there, you know, and so that's something that we could turn around. And, you know, if we maintain that – I didn't know anything about growing grapes at the time, you know. Mm-hmm. These are all wine grapes. And I was like, hmm. I feel bad just letting it go, you know? So I'm like, well, I guess I'm going to figure out how to grow grapes. And so, you know, I did that and you start finding people that are going to buy the grapes from you and, you know, you just kind of, you, you make it work. And then you, like you say, we had, um, timber, you know, kind of like woodlot, uh, deferrals and things like that, that you kind of talk to the County and you figure out what's valuable to them. And yeah, like, yeah, if you maintain this, you know, then this, you know, we'll work with you on that. And yeah, it's just, you know, you just got to start taking the steps. But I think the first thing is just figuring out if you can, you know, if your finances allow you to take that step. Mm-hmm. And then you start yeah. looking for ways to offset that, right? Yeah. And um, I, I think people would be surprised at what, what they can actually do. You know, it's just a little bit intimidating for sure. Yeah. To start very, with. Very intimidating. Yeah. But once you do it, you know, then. Become a deer farmer yeah, fast, man. Yeah. You buy a 22-horse Kubota, you're feeling on top of the world. Yeah. <laughs> Turns into a problem. Yeah. Turns into a problem. <laughs> you get yeah. a tractor, you're a farmer. Yay. But, you know, too, it's like there's different benefits that come with owning a farm. You oh, know, in yeah. Illinois, 40 acres, it's yep. like, so, you know, you can, you qualify for farm tax. What can you write off and benefit mm-hmm. for your farm? And it's real. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not bullshitting sure. the system. Like, you buy a tractor. You can write that off. You are 
buying it because of your farm. You didn't you have it before. You need something to do management. All that, right? yeah. 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 You need to mow. Yeah. You need to clear paths. You need to do that. You know, it's a big deal. You, you got to think about that stuff. So that's the way I think about it anyway. Maybe I'm off, but it's exciting. Oh, yeah. You just buy it's going to be an adventure, man. Yeah. I look forward to hearing how it how it progresses for sure. Yeah. You know, I, I want to hunt it fairly basic as it is. I might put in um, like a main event plot, big time main event plot at the uh, one on one part of it and see how it benefits, you know, because you can put a certain per- percentage of it into a, into a food plot. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see. I'm not going to do anything crazy the first year, you know, I want to hunt it as is. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a naturally good spot. Just there's just naturally going to be deer on that farm. Yeah. I think so. I hope so. That's yeah. another benefit too. I mean, just coming back to it, like you buying your own property. Cause now, like, if I want to put a food plot in, I got to ask the landowner. Yeah. It's okay if I put a food pot in. Can I go in there and spray this? Can I do this? Can I do that? You know, you don't have to ask anyone. You know what's weird, though? When I drive in it, I feel like I'm on someone else's ground. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you feel like you still have to call someone and be like, yes. hey, is it okay if I drive in here? Yeah. I do, I do feel that way. That'll go away. It's because of my whole life. Yeah. You're just I've, not used to that. You've always it's a very it. weird feeling the first time you step foot on a farm that you like have actually signed the papers on. You're like, Holy shit! This is actually my piece. Like nobody can tell me to leave. Like, yeah, I'm guaranteed you had that on your Iowa farm. Oh yeah, at the Iowa farm. I yeah, mean, we I've still got to get to your farm farms. here. We still have to do. But real quick, we tell a side story. I, I put cams out. So the the viral TikTok video of Lee, the cult leader, kicking <laughs> box grapes with his New Balances on it was on my farm, my new farm, and uh, where he put the fur, the scrape, the viral video. I call it viral for us. It was viral. Yeah. Um, I had an SUV had 17 views. drive through there like a fucking mom mobile at 7 a.m. on a Sunday. Drove through there, and there's a mud pit. I'm like, God, I hope they drove through that mud pit and just got buried because I'm going <laughs> to come in and cap their ass. Um, I wouldn't actually have done that, but it'd been, it's just funny to say it. So I, I rushed down there, and I can see where they saw the mud hole and like turned around. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? You know what I mean? That's like, weird. Ballsy. Yeah. I had I had a landowner. So I've got an easement to come in on this farm that I bought last year. They have to drive a, probably a mile off the main, and it's not even a main road. It's a back road. They have to drive a mile off of that, go by this guy's house through two gates to get back into my farm. My neighbor calls me. He's like, there was just a gray SUV back in here. I'm like, what? Like, there's not supposed to be anybody back in there. So this guy comes out, and this neighbor stops him. He's like, I was uh, I was looking for the courthouse. It said I arrived at my destination. Like, <laughs> the how courthouse? Dumb, how dumb do you have to be <laughs> oh to be gosh. driving through somebody's farm on a dirt road for a mile to get back in there and realize, man, this is probably not where the courthouse is at. <laughs> It's a rural county. Yeah, that happened just today. So yeah, oh, you're, today. Yeah, you're gonna have plenty of uh, like, what the hell are they doing on They're my farm? They're from Chicago. Moments. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. I was waiting. So that's let's, weird. That's so weird. Let's talk They're, about your farm a little bit. So I got selfish and was talking about mine. Oh, that's all right. Um, <laughs> that's, that's all right. right. <laughs> I. Uh, you need this mic. Well, I was just kind of watching how crazy this market was, and I'm like, you know, Iowa's always been a dream of mine to buy an Iowa farm, and eventually. To declare residency over there. Yeah, that hurts my heart. It lets me shoot more deer, right? Okay. So the, the eventual the eventual dream is to have Illinois, Iowa, Missouri, and I can kind of bounce around that triangle with a lot of deer tags. With the juries. And just stay busy, yes. Yes. Trying to do what Mark's doing. Land baron. 
So <laughs> yeah, that's the eventual goal. But, You're hurting the Illinois boys' feelings, me and Todd. Well, I'm not getting rid of the Illinois farms. Not I'm I'm still keeping the cherries. But, but if okay. you claim residency in Iowa, you become part of the Iowa family. That's true, but I still have my Illinois farms. But you live in Your Iowa. team Illinois forever. That's true. You better get that tattooed. Oh, right. Team I'll Illinois. Yeah, that's what we're getting tattooed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's your guys' Well, you have your eight ball, but that's Todd. That's your first tattoo, and I'll get it with you guys. Team Illinois forever. I'll, I'll for, be my second for, tattoo. For life. For life. I'll get it on my. I'll get to do a tramp stamp of that with the shape of Illinois. <laughs> uh, we all have to get tramp stamps. Yeah, Todd, yeah. your first tattoo has to be a tramp stamp. I'm gonna have to think on that one. <laughs> <laughs> Worth it if it's for Illinois, the deer hunters of Illinois. Yeah, not Chicago, Illinois. So it, I I thought it was a good time to sell, and the market was high, and I, I did really well. I sold my Illinois farm for a great profit. I owned it for four years, sold it for a big profit, but the bad thing about selling in a high market is you, if you want to buy back in, you have to buy at the high. So uh, it took a long time. I walked several farms, had a deal fall through on me, um, and actually uh, found a really good guy, Hirsch. Smith with Whitetail Properties, he he found a really cool farm, and I walked it and kind of fell in love with it. It's got a it's got a cabin, it's got a pond, it's got the potential for really good deer on it. It's got some tillable, so it's helping to make the payment. Um, it's got some grass, it's got some planted oak trees, it's got old oaks. I mean, it's it's got huge landowners on either side of it, so it's just a really cool, unique piece. And uh, made an offer on that one and got the deal done on that. So I was able to 1031 money from my Illinois farm into the Iowa farm. So I didn't have to pay taxes on my gain on the Illinois farm. So it ended up being a, a good move for me. Yeah, for congrats, me. man. Yeah, yeah, congrats. Very. It's weird to be able to put feed out and watch deer come up and eat feed on my Iowa farm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you can't cool. do it in Illinois right. at all. Yeah. <laughs> You're Almost feels wrong. Shoulder. Yeah, I was gonna say you're but looking it, over your shoulder like, can I be? Can I do this? Just legal? I had but to call like, the game warden. I'm like, so I can legally do this right now. He's like, yes, you're fine. You sure? <laughs> you're sure? Hundred percent. You texted him and he's like, dude, leave me alone. Yeah, it's good to have a game warden as a friend over in Iowa. So. But I'm sure walking in that cabin the first time, you're like. Am I in an Airbnb or where am I? What was cool was to bring the family over after I had already like bought, I, I'd already walked it. I'm like, all right, we need to make an offer on this. So I made the offer, got it accepted. And then to bring the family over and to watch Cody catch his first bass out of the pond. I mean, yeah. you're making brought, memories, man. brought a tear to my eye. I mean, yeah. it was pretty heavy. It was cool. <laughs> yeah. You're getting all Iowa on me. I don't like it. <laughs> you're, you come over to the farm. You're going to see why I like it. <laughs> I know why you like it. <laughs> He's I just giving you shit. I know. It's it's like, yeah, dude, I get it, man. I get it completely. That's I like dream. deer, and Iowa has deer. If you like whitetails, the dream is to live in Iowa, hunt Missouri, hunt Illinois. Yep. That's, that is, that's the pinnacle. That's the Mark Drury model. I think that's the move. It is the move. It really is. I'll give you shit forever, but I agree with you. I'm not leaving Illinois. But you'll live in Iowa. I mean, I might live in Iowa, but I'm still not leaving <laughs> Illinois. <laughs> but I'm not leaving. Dude. <laughs> No, I'm 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 happy for you, man. Because I know uh, that other farm that fell through. You were kind of here at the studio having like I remember you being on the horn. You're like this guy, that one dude, like sort of fucked you around a little bit. Yeah, he backed down on me. It wasn't. It was one of his buddies that was invested in the farm with him. So they say everything happens for a reason. And I said that at the time. And it, a month later, I've got a different farm, and I'm glad that it went the way that it did. Yeah, good. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. I'm excited to see it happen. You didn't draw a tag this year. Right. Didn't get the bow tag again. So next year with five points, hopefully next year's the year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That that's uh that's a flawed system a little bit, I think, for landowners, right? 
so I'm gonna I'm gonna work the loophole a little bit. I and I talked to the game board and made sure this was legal too. There's the loophole. There's a loophole. The loophole. I thought that was coming at me. I was like, what am I gonna do? (laughs) (laughs) Michael, you're in. Michael knows a guy in Iowa that can get you a tag. So talk about this. This is completely legal. Everybody does it. Completely legal. I made sure and called the game board and talked to him about it. He's like, yes, everybody does this. It's perfectly legal. So my plan is, as a non-resident landowner, I can get a doe tag for first or second shotgun season and that will let me party hunt with a resident so our good buddy jacob is going to come over he's going to gun hunt with me and if the caliber deer that i'm looking for one specific deer steps out during this gun season then i will be able to use jacob's tag legally on that deer Mm -hmm. as long as he is with me on the hunt and i have that valid doe tag Yep. On my farm, it's a totally legal hunt. So yeah, and I, I never, I hardly ever buy a gun tag. So if you need another one, I'm more than happy to come with you. Go ahead and get that gun tag because if Jacob <laughs> can't hunt, I'm going to need somebody to come over. Hey, well, I'll be that guy. I remember we have some great friends from Iowa, and I was with you, and you were we we're eating lunch with them. You're like, hey, just want to double check. Like I check with the game where I know it's legal, but yep. like morally what's the thought on this that's my question i've been asking several iowa landowners are like i mean that's we've done it everybody pe- does yeah, it people, we know a ton of people who do it party hunting is a big thing during gun season in mm-hmm. iowa yeah that's how i grew up doing it i mean if i bought had- ground in iowa and that was my option i'd be flexing that property owner muscle yep to do that well and you don't even have to be a property owner like so you have the option of getting a i think it's a county-wide doe tag that you can yep. hunt anywhere on the county but i will get first preference as a non-resident landowner but if i get that non-resident landowner doe tag it limits me just to my acres just to the acres i own which is the only acres i want to shoot a deer on anyways so yeah that's how i'm gonna yeah, go. you're not gonna push your limits and uh, to... i don't i don't want to hunt somebody else's farm i want to shoot it's that not big like deer a, off it's not farm. like a resident tag because i can go well Doe tag specific is per county, yeah. even for a resident too. Yep. But a statewide, I can get a statewide gun tag and go anywhere. Yep. Hmm. It's a crazy rule. Yeah. It is. I was got it weird, but Illinois probably should take some notes. Maybe I don't know. They're, what do you think, got Todd? Of, they got a long list of things they should be taking notes on. Illinois, yeah. Being able to, you know, supplement your deer, but I do. Todd, being from Illinois, what do you think? And Austin, you can chime in on this, but I feel like you're you're kind of like. You're going by state on us, you know. <laughs> Shout out to the rainbow people, but um, <laughs> the rainbow people. <laughs> well, you're like, you know, you're doing your thing. You're swinging. When it comes to deer, I'll go both ways. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> um, I, Todd, do you think that Illinois should maybe do like the preference point deal? For non-residents, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, sorry. I, I, I kind of, I mean, Michael, <laughs> I'd love to see him do, you know, an earn a buck tag yeah, too. Yeah. You know, shoot it, maybe get one one buck tag to start the season, but then you need to shoot a doe to kill another buck. Um, For just, residents, yeah, anybody. I mean, I, I think we've got such a resource that's been so undermanaged. I agree with that. And, yeah. And uh, look I, at what I was generating off of one buck tag. It exactly. Takes five years to I've, get it. You got to put how 60 are we or 70 bucks. taking notes about this. I've said it, this man, for years. If Illinois implemented the point system, like Iowa did, yeah. I wouldn't, I will probably wouldn't even be on the radar for 
even if it's just two or three years to draw the point. I mean, look at the revenue you could generate by making guys wait a couple of years to come and hunt the, the state. The whole state exactly. of Illinois would be what central Iowa is. Yep. Exactly. The whole, it, the whole state. The whole thing would be. The whole state would be. The, look at what the numbers we've been putting up. Right. We hold almost all the records. You know what I mean? So it's like I'm working on Sam on this whole full draw rangefinder. She's still working on it here. Oh. <laughs> She just texted me. You're gonna let it go. I'm confident. You got to be right, you know. And I'm just an idiot. But, but yeah, like Illinois was. We we've stomped out the numbers as far as like the deer records go. It's just it's hard to deny. Um, it's just you know how much money could we? I mean, they'd blow it on Ukraine or Russia anyway, right? Or some dumb shit, you know. But it's like, what could we be making for conservation if the percentage really mm-hmm. goes to that, like they say it does? Mm-hmm. And what can we be doing for our deer herd as far yeah. as quality? I mean, really the big thing is age on the deer in Illinois, right? I mean, if you get a buck to make five years old, he's going to be world-class yeah. almost anywhere in the state. Stuff. You know, and there's just so many guys. I talked to a guy this, this spring, hunts around me. You know, it's him and his wife. They're in their six, late 60s, early 70s. And you say, how'd you do? Oh, good. We killed our four bucks and, and uh, you know, shotgun season, whatever. And you go. So you got two people. You guys eating all four of those? No, we gave a couple of them away, but we just saw the antlers off, throw them in the garage. It's like <sighs> you got there. There's still a subset of the hunting culture that aren't as serious as everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and they deserve to be out there. And yeah, that's their right. Their it's fair, right? A hundred percent without on the ground. But um, maybe make them shoot a doe before they shoot that second buck. Yeah. Agreed. You know what I yeah. mean? Well, uh, Michael got to experience a little bit of this, like. Midwestern hunting culture today at lunch. <laughs> like that's the, mm-hmm. and that guy was an older guy. So he had a little bit more yeah, justification 71. to his tactics and stuff, you know, but yep. um, it was very Midwestern hunting culture. Talk same kind of vibe you're talking about, yeah. Todd. It's like, man, we could be doing things a little differently to benefit the longevity of our resource. Like sooner or later, it's not always going to be the way that it is now. Right. right. You know, it, you know, crossbows all season. Right. We're putting in a rifle season or allowing rifles in a firearm season. It's like, yeah, man, if okay, allow that, but allow more of a management system that I was doing. Totally. Illinois you know? is just trying to mow down every deer that we have, and Iowa's over here trying to preserve a resource. Like, it's funny to see how the different sides of the river manage the well, same. How, I know. how many of you guys were sitting around a camp last year talking to your buddies and be like, God, I just wish they would just let straight wall rifle cartridges be legal. Yeah, you didn't then, hear that. Then, then, never. Never. Not one time. Where did no. that come from? I'm not going to lie, though. Since they passed it, I don't even tell a difference. In Iowa? In Iowa. Okay. The, I think the crossbow hunting is what we were going to see the bigger difference in. That got, That's the problem, that I got, think, personally. That got threefold the people out in, during the archery season. Right. Because you got to think, yeah. like, with a straight wall cartridge or, you know, if they implement the straight wall cartridge like they did in Iowa... You still have one tag. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no point. But yeah, because because no. if you if you buy a shotgun tag, you're using that tag. Here's with the thing. a shotgun or a straight wall cartridge. I think about this in Illinois. There's no change in the tag. You're not shooting more deer with a straight wall well, cartridge. That, you can make the argument that the muzzle loader or the slug gun or whatever is just as accurate and can shoot just as far as that cartridge these, anyway, so it doesn't really smug, matter. Smokeless muzzle loaders. Yeah. You can but shoot think about Illinois, yards. they allow crossbows all season to kill two bucks. Those guys could kill two bucks in two days it, that, just as easy without any practice. That made the biggest difference for us was implementing that crossbow season. Yeah. 
what are we doing? And 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 I by us saying that people they're anti crossbow. No, we're not anti crossbow. But you got to see the bigger picture here. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Well, compounds are just as you know. People want to make that argument that they're easier to shoot. They're not. You fucking know they're not. No. You know they're not like a crossbow. Come on, what are we doing? We're gonna have this argument. Fuck you. You know better. Well, it's just you know? a selfish thing for me. Like I, I think we can all see that the state's motivation right now is to reduce numbers. I mean, they're just yeah. they're trying to keep numbers in check. My selfish side wants to see age structure. Like for sure. that's the way I would like to see the resource managed, but that's obviously not Still the way the state wants to deer, it but like with the doe tag is a good way to do that. You know, it's yeah. like if you're worried about meat, if like you want to make that meat argument online, I get that. Right. Right. Okay. You get a buck tag, you get a doe tag. You got to kill a buck and a doe to get your second buck tag if you want to do that. So if that's what you care about is meat, don't be shooting two year olds. Like we, we care about eight, We care about the health of the herd. Mm hmm. You're shooting two-year-olds every time? You're going to shoot two two-year-olds? Yeah. Then you're done? And if a dude wants to go shoot, or lady, whatever, wants to go shoot a two-year-old, go shoot your two-year-old. That's fine. You know, go do that. But don't but, shoot two of them. Right. Exactly. And if, to your point, Austin, if we're talking about the state wanting to reduce numbers, you know, you could have one buck and a hundred does, and all hundred of those does will be bred. Oh, yeah. Right? You're right. So, so I mean, if you start taking out does from the herd, now you're talking about reducing Deer numbers. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the real way to reduce numbers and Absolutely. benefit the population. And as sure. the the type of hunter I am, I would rather go out in a season and see a hundred deer and see, you know, five to seven, five and a half year old or older deer, than see three hundred deer and see ten. Yeah, older bucks. Hundred percent. You yeah. know what I mean. Hundred percent agree with you. It's tough to get everybody on board on that here. You know, like how do you? I don't know. It's tough. Talking about it? I guess. But well, I just wish like, you know, the, the, the DNRs or whatever you want to call it, wildlife, you know, services or whatever would give a little bit of insight into their strategy so you can better understand Know what it. their plan is. Yeah, are yeah, all in the dark on it. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, everybody's making all these things like, what, what, what is going on? Because they don't know what they're thinking in there. But, you know, if you kind of had a better idea of what they're thinking, at least you could either debate it or you can yeah. understand somewhat, it. somewhat understand it. yeah have a real conversation absolutely. about it you yeah know? Right. that's what's nice about iowa at least it's kind of clear what they're doing there they're trying to preserve that older age structure animal that keeps clients coming back keeps people coming back quality for continuous yeah. money for their state yeah it's like yeah well, like we're speculating mm-hmm. we're also that's what we're doing mm-hmm. about illinois yep. we're like well fuck why don't they do this we don't know mm-hmm. you know and we've reached out to some game wardens from illinois we have an iowa game warden that's willing to talk when we're going to do that but yeah um no, nobody from Illinois. Everyone's scared to talk about it. Maybe Chicago. that's maybe that's Iowa's number one like tour, so-called tourist resource is hunters, right? And so they kind of try yeah. to maximize that because mm-hmm. nobody comes there for anything else. I don't know. Maybe, Probably though. Maybe you know you just yeah, what's the biggest city out, in Iowa? Yeah. Des Moines. Des Moines. Des Moines is yeah. shit for a city. Yeah. For for a city, right? It's maybe. the shit. We got Chicago, and maybe yeah. they think, well, that's where our income is, is Chicago, and. You're not going to Iowa to kind of like camp on lakes and stuff like that. So what, not common, you know, how else are you going to get people to come in there? Well, that's one resource. And so, you know, I don't know, man. Yeah. It's funny. It's a good conversation though. Yeah. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Nevada where you talk about buy your, buy your license and whether you don't draw the tag or not, you're always buying a license every year. So you're mm-hmm. still funding that, right? Yep. Same Supporting thing with Nevada. State, yeah. You know, you go still to Nevada 
as a non-resident, most of the non-residents are, or most of the residents are like, hey, hey, good to see you, you know, instead of slashing your tires or something like that. They're, <laughs> right. they're happy to see you because they know you keep buying a license every year and you yeah. draw a tag like once every three, four, five years, whatever it is, but you're yeah. help funding, you know, all the resource. Yeah, the resource. But why, would, why are people willing to pay that license fee? Because they know that there's an opportunity there to get a great hunt. You know? 400 inch bulls. Yeah. I mean, they're out there. Big muley, you yeah. know, whatever. They're just going there for muleys and, and elk, and they know it's tough, but they know if they, know they do there. draw that tag, there's a great opportunity yeah. there. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Illinois yeah. would be the biggest whitetail state. Yeah. You'd have guys dying. To People get just in. want a chance. That's right. what they want. They want, they a, want chance. a chance. You know, it's the lottery that you want to play. Yeah. Your highest odds are in Illinois for a, like, dude, if we did that, 180 inch whitetails would be a fairly, I wouldn't want to say common. You would see. It'd be like 160s now. It'd be more common. You'd have a 20 inch yeah. increase on everything so. across the board. Yeah. You're, you're the dude who shoots 130s every year. You're shooting 150s. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I would five year curve, five to 10 years, it would change that quick. It takes three so. years to make a big buck. Right. Yeah. Yep. Usually, the, the yep. one buck thing would be huge. If we went to one buck and limited non-residents to every couple of years, that'd be huge. And we're residents saying you can take a buck tag from us if you implement these other keys to success for our deer herd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. If that's not big and saying that, like we're willing to give up, I'm willing to give up a buck tag for longevity of management. You know, if I let me kill a buck tag, and then if I kill a doe, which I always kill a doe anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. Then I can get my other buck tag. You're still putting something in the freezer, and you're managing the herd, and you're still getting quality out of it. Yeah, I think if the state said, well, if you want your second buck tag, you got to shoot 10 does, I'd go out there and do that work. Wax it up, baby. And there you go. You're controlling your numbers, and not a lot of guys are getting that second tag, so your herd, your age structure is getting better as well. Because we still get two buck tags, but like our our doe, you guys get unlimited Mm-hmm. Doe tag. I, right? I don't know really. I honestly don't know. I just know I've never been cut yeah, off you, from my limit. Yeah. You go and keep buying doe tags for fifteen bucks a pop. There's no limit. See, I would never been it's limited, limited per county, so the county can only sell so many doe tags per county. Mm-hmm. I but, kill nowadays. I kill one doe a year. You know, seems reasonable. Eric in Iowa, can you kill? Like, if you had two buck tags, could you kill? Like in Illinois, if two bucks came in and were fighting, you could thump both of them. Just boom, boom. Nope. You get a gun tag and a bow tag. Yep. And if you're a landowner, you get a landowner tag. You can get a landowner tag also, but like... And then you can get like a city tag or whatever, like you what do get, they call that? Yeah, you can get a city tag also, which is like... So like if I wanted to hunt Davenport, they they sure. allow you to buy city tags, which is city doe tags. Almost like a nuisance tag for yep. the city. Yeah. Yep. But you got to kill like for Davenport, for instance, I don't know how other cities do it, but Davenport is you got to kill three does like... This upcoming season, if I kill three does, I'll get a buck tag the following season. Makes sense. So, yeah. And if you so, don't? If you don't kill three bucks or three just, does that year. You just stay with the you, does. You just stay with the does, and then you got to start over next year. So, you got Okay. You know, your two mm-hmm. does don't count, and, like, the next year you can't kill one, and you get a buck tag. It just starts over. Yeah. The key oh. is you're still putting something in the freezer. Oh, yeah, know, for sure. Is, yeah. You know, which is great. You know, you're not out there just wasting your time. And controlling yep. numbers yep. the right way. Yep. 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 So, like, and that's that's the thing, too. Like, I don't know if it's – because I'm sure a lot of people take advantage of the doe tags over here, too, where they're just stacking, whacking does. Sure, some do. You know, over – like, the county I live in, there's only 200 doe tags. That's between archery, shotgun, and late muzzle, or 200, and that's it. Hmm. The whole county. 
Yep, they're micromanaging per county. So obviously they say, well, you know, this county, we need to take X number of does out to get right the yep. desired number of deer that we want. To, balance, to balance the yeah. herd is pretty much what I think they're doing. I don't really know the reason of, I'm sure they go out and take a number of how many does they see per they box They take deer or surveys. Yeah. They take surveys. I and used then, to do it when I worked for the Iowa DNR. We used to take night surveys with the spotlights, go out with spotlights at night and count X number of deer. They're on this stretch of road, yeah. So that's why some counties... Night surveys. Yeah, night yes, surveys. Night surveys in quotations. <laughs> that's why some oh, counties gee. get... <laughs> you know, I'm sure the county your farm's in has like 3,000 doe tags or something crazy like that. It, it's high, and I honestly... I was talking with Jacob about this. I don't think they even sold out. I, I don't oh, really? think they even reached the goal, I think. Let me yeah. ask you this. How many does have you killed in one season? What's your max number of does? Six, six or seven, probably. In Illinois? Yeah, six or seven. What about probably. you, Todd? Uh, I killed... Two bucks and four does a few times. A few times. I think yeah. I've killed three or four does in a season one time. Yeah. But it was like that's not that's not common for me. I'm normally a one doe, two does tops type guy. Yep. Just curious, you know. Yep. Yeah. So I don't know. A lot of improvement could be made. Don't listen to us, but think about it, I guess is what we're saying. Do you have any like debatable things like that with Oregon or is it kind of fair? Oregon's funny, you know, we, we, we say, we say Oregon's trying to keep people from shooting things, you know? So if you like a lot of times, if you, if you want to hunt elk, for example, you can't hunt archery and then switch to, to rifle if you don't feel, fill your tag, right? It's either one or the other. Yeah. And same thing with, with uh, deer, right? You want to hunt deer? Okay. If you want to archery hunt deer, that's it. You're done. You know, once that season's over, that's it's over. Um, if you want to, uh, if you want to hunt over the counter, uh, blacktail on the coast range, you, then you cannot try to draw a tag for mule deer. So you get one chance at a deer and you get mm. one chance at a elk. Right. So pick your, pick your poison as far as a weapon goes. Yeah. You know, so, so a lot of people are like, that's mm, kind of fair, right? Yeah. I don't, you know, it used to be our archery. You could basic during archery season, you could hunt all over the state, you know, anywhere you wanted to go. It was basically just statewide tag. Just buy your tag and yep. you can go anywhere. Well, last year, they, I think it was last year, they, they implemented a lot of controlled hunts in the eastern side. So most of the eastern units, now you have to draw your archery tag. So they're limiting people to certain units. You know, you used to be able to hunt, get an archery tag and then just go hunt wherever you wanted to hunt. And now if you if you draw that tag for the eastern part of the state, when I say east, it's east of Portland basically, which is the Cascade Range, um, you have to pick a unit. So not only can, you know, I, I can hunt east because I drew a tag, but I can only hunt in this particular unit. I can't start in that unit and then go to another unit or go right. to another unit right. kind of thing. So so it's more controlled than it ever has been. Um, but, uh, you know, people that live in central or eastern Oregon sometimes – you know, if they don't draw a tag, it's like their only hunting option is to drive all the way to the west side and do an over the counter. And most of them, you know, don't want to do that. It doesn't make sense. So, so you're yeah. almost you're almost splitting Oregon in two. Yeah. Like it's two different Kinda states. Like South there. Dakota is. Yeah. Yeah. You got your over the counter on the coast range, basically. Or you do draw tags if you wanna if you don't want to hunt the jungle. So can is, you can you still buy like an archery tag and a gun tag? Or is it one or the other? No, for for a species you can do one or the other. That's oh, it. Really? Yeah. 
So I choose to do. I'm archery. not mad at that, honestly. Like yeah. it's, it seems like a, it seems like a fair way to deal your goals a little bit. Yeah. It's like, all right, yeah, you want to. Like if Illinois did that, it's like, what are you doing? You want to? You can hunt them. Yeah. What are you it, doing? Your season's longer with a bow. We got to do vertical bow. Yeah, bitch. You know, it just seems sorry, like they're sorry, doing everything like they can to make the success success rate stay at that ten percent or under, which is right. which is oh. pretty you know pretty low. Right? Yeah. Obviously yeah. now you know you 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 control the rifle hunters, which you know there's a lot more of them, so I kind of understand that. And yeah, like yeah. That. But then now you're controlling the archery hunters too, which just generally means you're just going to have just less game. Yeah, right. know, yeah. Because really, I mean, Oregon's got more big game species than I think any other state, to be honest with you. When you start going through and you start listing them all and all the different, you know, you got whitetails and Columbia whitetails and blacktails and mule deer. And then you Oh, got, I didn't know you guys had whitetails at all there. Yeah. Just they're starting to kind of work their way over, you mm. know, into the Eastern side. And then you've got rosies and you've got Rockies and then you've got mountain goats and you've got sheep, you know, and then you've got, um, of course you got mountain lions and you got black bears and wolves you know, in the northeastern part of it. Um, and then you start getting into other things like coyotes and bobcats and on and on. And yeah, on. yeah. Antelope, um, you know, so there's a lot of stuff to shoot there if you can Jeez. ever draw a tag. Yeah. But it's pretty difficult, you know, to be honest with you. To- it's interesting. It's like there's a lot. It's so complicated, really, it is. And I think we come yeah. off a little anti-crossbow, anti-gun a little bit when we talk about it, and we're not. We're definitely not. But it's got to be reasonable, right? Mm-hmm. You know, clearly easier methods of killing animals right like yeah. so that's that's the that's our concern with it that's why right. we might seem a little harsher on that stuff but right. ah, it's interesting it's fun fun conversation well like as you like you guys say it's hard for to to kind of understand letting somebody that's fully physically capable use a crossbow during archery season you know I mean, the full length archery season yeah yeah that's yeah. a big factor i think yeah. like i don't mind a time frame right but I think it's like, okay, while you're doing it with a vertical bow, they also get to do it with a crossbow. Mm-hmm. And how Iowa is. It's, it's not, the same way in Iowa. Iowa, you can shoot a crossbow all archery season. And that just changed by the same time Illinois did, I believe. It's kind of like saying you can use a rifle during muzzleloader season. Everybody's yeah. like, what? Yeah. That's not fair. Yeah. You know, and you're like, mm. <laughs> Right, right. You know, so... I don't know. Again, it's just trying to understand the rationale, you know, for each, you know, department and try each state's, you know, DNR or yeah. whatever. And it's all up for fair conversation, I guess. Yes. Oh yeah. yeah. I don't even want to say debate. Fair conversation is probably the better way to word things mm-hmm. nowadays in time. But mm-hmm. anyway, I think we're at the end of our time frame here. We talked a long time. We covered a lot on this we podcast, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, it was great. I learned a lot. <laughs> you did i did well that's good i yeah. learned a lot too are you excited to come and hunt so yeah more questions smaller questions but you know it's questions i'll talk about afterwards <laughs> but gear we, related right like yeah the right gear for this or that or whatever come You'll be all right. so, but yeah. then we can cover all that stuff when you're here yeah yeah you know okay at, at uh the lord's hand cave right. did you bring the right gear yeah We'll find out. What are you we'll missing? Ooh, you're gonna be cold or something like that. You know? We'll no, I think I think we're good there. We he's gonna be guy, he's gonna be the guy that forgets his binos or something. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot my range. Kirk, can I borrow your range? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I got all I got is this um, full draw five and a black display. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, the one of a kind. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, no update on that yet. No. The people just have to wait for this. Yeah. But the funny like, thing is, I, they, of course, they, I'm wrong. Jesus. They, they never made a full draw on a black display. That's why yeah. it's so right. Yeah, it's pretty much the state. But he won't. <laughs> he doesn't believe me when I tell him. That. I'm pretty sure it's there's fine. not even one out yeah. there. I think I had the yeah. first one. They're like, "Fuck, this needs to be red." <laughs> okay. <laughs> Somehow Kurt got it. Yeah, that's right. You'll, well. you'll shit when it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Thank oh. you, Michael, yeah, for coming yeah. out. From, Thanks for flying out from man. Oregon. Yeah. And uh thank you, Leopold, for uh <laughs> okay, for, for being a partner. And You're thank you, Mr. Winicky. Yeah. Oh jeez. You just pronounce uh, everything wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going. Uh, that's all I got. No, it's good. It's been fun. I mean, you know, looking forward to this and everything. And so yeah, it's a good time. Like I said, it's just kind of we're the only thing we're missing is campfire right here. So right. Yep. we gotta so, do a hunting camp soon. Yeah. Within a couple of years we gotta do something. Yeah. I think sure. uh man, can you imagine how much fun we'd have? Oh. <sighs> and a and a camp like just kinda be a train wreck. You got nothing else to do but just bust each other's balls and have fun and hunt and chase critters. It'd be a blast. We'll Play start cards. planning. We'll start planning for yeah, that. We'll figure something out. Yeah. For sure, uh, November will be here before we know. It. Uh, well, there's a hunt, there's a first hunting camp. Yeah, yeah, that's a flavor of it. Yeah. That, that is coming yeah. up. We'll discuss that in November. Yeah, about yeah. hunting camp number two. The next yeah. one, right? Right. You're from Wisconsin. Well, you know how to play euchre, right? Oh yeah, for sure. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna learn. Good. I'm, I'm gonna learn while you're in camp. I don't know. Oh. Yeah, I know. Whenever on, we know what we don't ever have four people because Kurt don't know how to play. Yeah, we can play with <laughs> dummies. Just give me right. a caller. Same thing. You know, right. hustle my ass. <laughs> I'm going to come with this mustache yeah. and look like I'll slash your tires when I get outside after when I'm going to leave. Yeah. <laughs> Austin, you got anything to add? I don't, man. That was a good podcast. A lot of fun. Um, it's a long bitch. It was a long one, but it was a good one. Michael, looking forward to having you this yeah. fall. It's going to be a good time. Yeah, I'm, I I can't wait. That's for sure. <laughs> you got any last words for the podcast here? No, just thanks for the invite. Thanks for the hospitality. You know, I mean, you guys always deliver, and and uh, you we know, try. we just want to continue to, you know, build that relationship and you know help you guys help us, and yeah, you know we'll, we'll all be happier, and of course, hopefully, answer any questions that people have. Like I said, you know, if they've got questions, don't be afraid to throw them at you guys so we can get them some answers so for sure absolutely yeah. we'll yeah. do what we can yeah. thank you man yeah appreciate it todd you, you joined in it seemed like you joined in late but you really didn't you joined in right right in time yeah it felt good um you know mike i hope you are able to teach your son how to shoot his uh are you guys bow hunting yeah okay so yep. teach him how to shoot it cross-handed and yeah. sideways <laughs> when you gotta get out here and, yeah yeah wisconsin yeah. sounds wow. like that's a pretty lethal method <laughs> yeah 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 it yeah. works good it luck works, for sure right Thank you. appreciate awesome. that you beg and how are the molsons oh fantastic they were good fantastic for being three years old <laughs> yeah exactly john yeah. molson's a good man hey he's canadian must be a polite guy <laughs> eric now just thanks michael for flying out and i hope to see you this fall yeah can't wait just make sure that uh, Doug and Ross, uh, well, Ross has probably got good excuses. Doug's, I'm not so sure of, but uh, they'll well, be here this fall. Ross, well. Ross won't have any excuses. Like what, five miles down the road? Yeah, good. You will see Ross. Yeah, I promise you. Cool. And I guess my closing out is uh, thanks, buddy. And uh, you know what to do. Go shoot your bow. We love you. Later.
Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up in the sky.